has a calling. It starts as a whisper. Become the one. Become the one. Become the one. A tiny voice inside pushing you to realize the gravity of the moment before you. But hearing the call is the easy part. Answering is what ultimately defines us. So there was an angle at just before War Games, which I want to say was in December, or it might have been November. Pretty sure it was December. It happened at some point. Uh, this is going to be a terrible story because I'm now going to say that someone, I've no idea who, destroyed her tank. <laughs> and it was it obviously devastated her, as it would. It's effectively the reason why they have a War Games match. So it's her and some other women against some other women and they have a match because of the tank. I really I knew this was gonna come up. I really should have done my research before we uh, before we started recording, but I'm gonna stand by that phenomenal analysis of a great storyline <laughs> that left a heck of a mark on me. Um Shotzi Blackheart should have challenged whoever that woman was who did that to a duel on robot wars. Imagine those two in action over a tank being commented on by Jonathan Pierce. It'd be <laughs> wonderful. So the person who destroyed a tank was Candice LeRae, um, uh, who, who wasn't involved in the Rumble, much to a lot of people's chagrin. I thought um, she was expected by a lot of people to be in it. Um, but I don't know a lot about Shotzi Black, Blackheart. One thing I am surprised by is that anybody, any person with their hands could destroy a tank. Um, that seems unlikely to me. Have you seen Candice LeRae recently? Not recently. She She's bulked up considerably, and she's I, now called the tank destroyer, <laughs> which which may or may not be true. <laughs> I, was gonna say, I'm not, I, I wasn't even sure if he was telling the truth. This is going to be an absolute wreck for our listeners who do know what's going on in WWE <laughs> these days. They're going to be like, you fucking idiots. What, how dare you talk to me about wrestling when I know like a trillion things more than you? Or we're all hanging our heads in shame, I guarantee. Hello and 
welcome to a very special episode of the Random Wrestling Review. Today we are looking for the first time at a show that's only just happened, WWE's Royal Rumble 2021 that took place last Sunday. Um, we we don't know if we're going to be doing this regularly, uh, we probably won't be doing this regularly uh, in fact, but we thought we'd just, a bit of a departure today, we'll just go with something new um, and see what happens, see how you guys respond to it. Um, any feedback is welcome, you can follow us and give us that feedback at RWRPODUK on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook and uh, yeah, let us know how you feel about us doing a more modern show. Um, joining me today, I've got a couple of Royal Rumble entrants. First of all, I have got Lord of Glencoe, Mr. Old Man Sam Carey. Sam, how are you doing? I'm very good, Ben. I'm excited to cover our third Rumble. In, yeah, and that's true. See, see how it measures up to 95. I'm not sure it reaches the heights of, ni- of 92, but I suppose the listener will soon find out. Yeah, look at you racing ahead as if, like, just because you're a Lord now, you can just make up. <laughs> the schedule all on your own well to be fair that's the power that's been given to me passed down by lord alfred haynes <laughs> who knighted me in a ceremony even oh no when you get knighted you're a sir aren't you yeah well he did something to me <laughs> and made me a lord to become yeah. lord of glencoe is glencoe the right title is that actually the title that you've got that is 100 percent the title it's a beautiful spot of land in <laughs> scotland quite it's literally a, a spot well, it, it's a metre squared, and it's probably, I mean, I've, I've only been to Glasgow in Scotland, but I can confidently predict that it's the most beautiful metre squared of land in all of Scotland, and probably Britain, possibly the world. I bet you've Google Earthed it, haven't you? Uh, I did, and I was astonished by the beauty. <laughs> well, we also have the man who drew number two for the Royal Rumble. Uh, his name is Tom Smith. Tom, unfortunately, you haven't got a, a sort of royal title of any kind. Uh, can we call you Duke of Smith or, or what? Uh, yeah, if you want to. I, quite, I wouldn't mind being a Viscount. Viscount Smithy. Like it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that'd be, I'll give that one. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm quite looking forward to having a little chat about this, this Rumble, um, mainly because I don't know who anyone is. So this is going to be very interesting. It's going to be educational. Well, I'm Ben Spindler, and you're with the Lord of Glencoe as well. That 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 should sort out who we are, at least. Oh, thank, thank God for that. I wanted to do what I was talking to you for a moment. Could I just say before we start, it's very nice of you both to bow when my name was announced, which I really appreciate, so thank you no, very much. No, I, I dropped something. That's a oh. good it. Before we get to the uh, the show, I thought what I'd do is actually draw on what you said, Tom, about not knowing anybody, is just to have a quick recap of where we are in terms of what we know and how often we watch wrestling because cards on the table here this is one of the reasons why the random wrestling review doesn't tend and won't likely cover much modern wrestling in the future because we simply don't really watch the product anymore um the last thing i watched and i genuinely can't remember very much from it was the extreme rules pay-per-view that took place last year where somebody was in a match i think ray mysterio was in a match with somebody where ray mysterio's eye was potentially you know kayfabe cut out of his skull um and before that the last thing i'd watch was wrestlemania so that's kind of um the extent to which i watched wwe last year um i imagine you guys are not un- not dissimilar i watched the last thing i think of which was money in the bank after wrestlemania right i think it was wasn't it so i think yes. i think i watched wrestlemania and then i watched money in the bank simply because i heard about the the gimmick where they're having the rings on top of the building and they had to fight through the building to get up um, which I thoroughly enjoyed, but I haven't seen anything since then. And I, I don't remember anything about it other than the two 
Money in the Bank matches. I I tend to watch the pay-per-views, although I can't remember if I... I definitely watched Survivor Series and thoroughly enjoyed it. Right. Apart from the the bit at the end with The Undertaker. And I can't remember what was after that, but I probably watched it and then instantly forgot about it. Well, it sounds like you're pretty much the expert then for us, old man. You're going to have to fill in the gaps. Yes, yes. So let's let's get un- underway and talk about your overall thoughts on the pay-per-view. Um, it took place Sunday, I guess, in a way as well. We are, because this is coming out a week after the pay-per-view, this is kind of like the last word on the pay-per-view that pretty much anyone will have because no one's going to be crazy enough to release a podcast more than seven days after the show happened even though most of our podcasts are released years and years and years in some cases decades after the pay-per-view happens so um i thought we'd change it up a bit this week tom what was your overall thoughts on the royal rumble 2021 uh i quite enjoyed it the the thing that i will say though is that it's quite nice to watch something like this when you're not that invested in it. So I've seen some reaction videos online of people going absolutely <laughs> ballistic <laughs> over it. And you've got to have a bit of a word with yourself if you're that if you're that passionate about it. Um it's the first time I saw the Thunderdome. Yeah. And I thought it was pretty cool. I actually quite liked it. I think they've done a really good job with that. I know this is probably old hat at this point because it's been going on for about six months, but I it's the first time I've experienced the Thunderdome and I quite liked it. Um, the one, the one comment I, I did enjoy the show. I did, but the, the thing that is uh, was a reoccurring theme for me is I really couldn't tell who was over because yeah. of the crowd noise. So obviously everyone is over according to the fake pumped in crowd noise, but it's really hard to tell. And actually knowing that, not knowing who was over, made me enjoy it a little bit more because I didn't have the hang-ups of being like, well, this person's shit, you know. Yeah. So it was quite, um, yeah, it was quite, uh, quite refreshing actually um you know seeing seeing it through those eyes through the eyes that they they really want you to see it i guess yeah. is the uh <laughs> is the, is the theme um but yeah overall i, I enjoyed the pay-per-view yeah um no that's good it's a good point that about the the crowd i think that affects a lot of stuff on this show uh old man to echo what tom said i think because i've obviously watched a bit more of it and i've seen the thunderdome and i i'm more familiar with it as was always going to be the case i think this is the pay-per-view that is most affected by a lack of a crowd because of the excitement that happens with the countdown and then people coming out and there's a couple of surprise entrants one of which is very good the other few I'm kind of a bit blasé about but yeah I that was that would be my only thing I enjoyed it overall it will be interesting to talk about it because uh, obviously it only happened Sunday I watched it the day after and now we're recording in time to get it out on the Sunday. So it's kind of it's not had long in my brain to think about. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I think that you both make a really good point about the crowd. I think that is the, you know, obviously, as you say, a lot of people who are watching the product regularly will definitely not will be definitely used to it by now. But I, I, I'm not, you know. Um, and so for me, that really makes a difference. In fact, the way I watch wrestling is very oriented around the way the crowd reacts to people, I, you know, I take a lot of the enjoyment out of it by just the way that the crowd respond to the match, to the people involved. You know, when, when somebody's over or a match is over um, or a match is getting the reaction that, that they the, the wrestlers want, you know, that's when I most respond to wrestling matches. You know, I've heard people talk about wrestling matches before where you know, the crowd weren't into it, but they said it was a classic. And I just I don't I think that's a contradiction in terms. I don't think that's possible. I think if the crowd aren't into it, 
it's not a classic. It's not possible to be a classic. Um, so without a crowd or a real crowd, at least, you know, that that kind of changes the, the perception in general. Um, what I will say is I thought overall it was a good show. I thought there were some really good matches. I thought that one of the Royal Rumble matches was better than the other. Um, and I think I will leave it at that because we'll get into all of that in just a moment. So we started the show with a pretty big contest i guess um it's wwe champion drew mcintyre against goldberg um this was a match where they basically went to the big moves pretty quickly um we had spears uh, spears by goldberg um we had goldberg hitting the jackhammer mcintyre kicking out of that another claymore by mcintyre which helped him win the match and then a handshake after the match where goldberg said mcintyre had passed the test uh old man what was your thoughts on this one I thought it was, I was very glad that it started the show because I think it's obviously a very small card of matches because there were two rumbles on there, but this was definitely the weakest of the three. The one thing that struck me is Goldberg looked his age, which I don't think he has the times that he's come back. He kind of looked a little bit out of shape. I noticed he wasn't wearing his pants. He was wearing yeah. his shorts. Yeah. He, it was almost like they'd, gone shall we pay lesnar and then they were like let's not pay lesnar should we just get someone to dress like lesnar <laughs> but but without his little haircut i'm a big fan of drew mcintyre i really like him i'm very glad that he didn't lose i didn't think he was going to but you just never know when they bring these guys back i thought the match was pretty much exactly what you laid out and it's not a classic. It was never going to be a classic, but it did. I don't know if I was reading too much into it, but I kind of got the feeling that it might be Goldberg's farewell. Just yeah. by the way, I mean, he, he when he walks out of his changing room, I don't know what he'd been doing in there, but he was walking like he'd not walked in about 15 years. <laughs> he he was really, he, he looked like me trying to get up off the sofa having watched this pay-per-view like he just looked really stiff and yeah it was a throwaway wasn't it it was two it and was, a half minutes in length um and it? yeah so <laughs> obviously there was some there was some pre-match stuff so obviously goldberg speared him through the uh through the guardrail or it's not really a rail is it it's guard guard wall i guess or whatever you want to call it um before the match before the match even started and then the bell rang once mcintyre got back in the ring and bell to bell it was two and a half minutes i guess in total it's probably more like five which is consistent with the length of goldberg's matches i mean for example against lesnar they were the same sort of length and i i you know i agree with you in terms of the look of goldberg i was saying i actually said that he's now actually starting to look like gilberg like he's got to the age where he's starting <laughs> to look like gilberg which is which is really quite sad in many respects. Tom, what was your your take on this? Who's this for? This match, really? Yeah. Like, I think I'm wrong. Mercifully, it was short, and it was at the beginning of the cards. So it didn't have to hang over us the entire thing. But it was. Uh, I don't. I don't have an opinion on Drew McIntyre. If I'm being honest, the only thing I know about him is that he used to be in that three. Was it three um, three man band? Yeah. And then he got sacked and went into the Indies. Apparently became good, came back. I mean, the biggest thing that I'm aware of him is when that guy called him Drew McInfart, and that trended for a little bit on Twitter. Um, but I think that um, so I I really have got I've got no opinion on him at all because I I only saw him really wrestle at WrestleMania last year, and again that was in front of a 
crowd in a match against Brock Lesnar, which again, are very short matches where you just get suplexed right in there, big moves, you know what I mean? So I don't have any opinion on it. Uh, but my, it all goes back to, who is this for? Like, the people who were in on Goldberg in the 90s aren't probably watching as much anymore. And the people, so it's, it's like a nostalgia act for people that aren't watching it. And it just seems to be, just seems to be because they can get him, they do. And that doesn't necessarily mean they should. I mean, is it, does it make Drew McIntyre look good beating a 50 year old man? Do you know what I mean? Like who's come back and basically had a 50, 50 win loss record. So every time he's come, he's won and then he's lost since he's come back. So I don't understand the point in it, if I'm being honest, it's not even that big a spectacle either because Goldberg prior to him coming back was never a big deal in the WWE. So uh, it really blows my mind. They keep bringing back for no reason, in my opinion. Well, I guess I guess we could argue that we watched it and uh, and maybe that's who it was for. I'm not saying that we're big Goldberg fans, but I guess if you're talking about the crowd, the people who aren't watching it anymore, well, we're not watching it anymore, but we watched the Rumble. So but, but that's who the, it's for, the, I assume. The, the difference is, but I'm not watching the Rumble to watch Drew McIntyre versus Goldberg. I'm no, watching I get it that. The Rumble. So no, I get it, that. You know what I mean? So I don't, I don't think that argument is. But there's a crowd of people that are watching it for the first time, probably in a year or probably since WrestleMania, who perhaps, you know, are interested in Goldberg. Again, I think that I'm not saying we'd be in the minority that are not interested in Goldberg, but I imagine there is a sizable chunk of people who are into Goldberg. I think you got, you have to, you have to remember that in 1998, Goldberg was on a par with Austin in terms of popularity when he was going through his rise in WCW. So there are still a lot of people out there that really um, are big fans of Goldberg. Don't get me wrong. I, I agree. I'm not particularly excited about it, but I, I'm, I'm just trying to kind of find WWE's thinking, I guess, which is, I assume that they're going for those people, but yeah, I take your point. Definitely. I think they're just going for a big name because slowly more so often they're not getting them anymore you know what i mean they can't like they, all the people who they were getting back to do like one match a year aren't doing like triple h is barely about anymore he very rarely wrestles anymore um sean michaels has gone the undertaker has now finally done it um you know the rock ain't coming back for anybody's business for no money at all um and there is just no one else and they're scraping the barrel of trying to get those nostalgia acts to come through and be like a big deal well, this That's... was always going to happen, wasn't it? It was a time bomb waiting to happen. Like they've been in this situation now, I'd argue, for more than a decade where they've been trading on nostalgia, uh, especially when it comes to the big events, WrestleMania or Rumble. And you're right, they've they've run out. now. They're all they're all retired. They're too old. It's as simple as that. And I think what we saw at this show and what we saw previously with Goldberg, actually, with his match with The Undertaker, is that he's too old as well and really shouldn't be doing this anymore. And as you say, old man, I'm hoping that this was his last uh, last match. It's funny because, uh, Tom's well, you both touched on something that I was going to say during the men's rumble. There is the dearth of, like, genuine, like, contenders. We'll obviously get to the rumble, but that was what struck me. is like, how many people are actually going to win this? And I know you could say that for any rumble, Really, if you break it down, but going back to what we did it with 1992 last week, like, you said at the time, like, there were loads of people that could have won it. But yeah. getting back to this match, I just couldn't help but think that if you're going to bring someone back, it needs to be Mike Rotunda. Yeah. <laughs> it, just, it has to be Mike Rotunda. I don't know why you'd waste your money on Goldberg. And the, the other thing is as well, this, the, what is, it's put me on a bit of a, put me on a, a bit of a mood anyway. Because this it means the streak's over. 
we're on episode four. This is our fourth event. There's no no Mike Rotunda. Yeah, I was convinced he was going to turn up as a surprise entrant in the Rumble, but uh, if they cared, they would have. If they cared, they would have. It didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, I guess the other thing that I thought maybe WWE were thinking with this match is that, again, for those returning fans, forget whether or not they were excited or drawn in by Goldberg. Part of it was also establishing Drew McIntyre. Like you said, old man, I don't think there's a lot of people on the roster right now who feel like they're at that level with the the Lesners and the um, Rocks and triple h's and uh, you know undertakers of this world in terms of they're going to be one of the key people involved when it comes to the big matches at wrestlemania so i just wonder whether or not even if it doesn't really mean a huge amount to beat goldberg it still means that at least to put it this way the way i read it is this is a sign that wwe themselves are behind drew mcintyre forget the fans forget the kayfabe of it actually to somebody who kind of understands the inner workings a lot and and is interested in that stuff and there's a lot of those people around this made me think at least that wwe think a lot of drew mcintyre and therefore it does somehow change the perception in him and my investment in the matches he'll have in the future i know that sounds crazy but it, it actually makes a difference which is just strange but but that's that's kind of how um i i took it um it wasn't a great match um but it was it was fine for what it was it was just big move after big move after big move we've seen it a couple of times if not more in the past with lesnar and with goldberg and a few other people and uh i, I do believe that drew mcintyre feels like a bigger deal not necessarily as a consequence of this match but just over the last going back to last year's Royal rumble when he won the rumble like i didn't really see him as a top tier guy at that point and I think over the last year, despite the minimal amount that I've seen, he now feels like he's in that upper echelon of top top guys. So I think they've done a good job in terms of Drew McIntyre over the last the last year. From a personal perspective, um, I've met Drew McIntyre a couple of times and he's an absolute class act. I've got nothing but good things to say about Drew McIntyre. Like he's a absolute gent. Like he we met him twice. He did. We did one interview with him in January in 2015. It was. And um, he came in, shook everyone's hand, said hello, was really nice. And then we interviewed him again in April at a TNA show in Britain. And he came into the room, remembered everyone's names. And it was just like, and he, there was, a, you know, it was me. Why would he remember my name? Remembered my name, remembered the camera guys, the two camera guys' names. And you're just like, that is class. Like, I can't imagine too many other people who have basically come into a thing, just done an interview with someone and then walked out again, remembering everyone's names. But he did. And I think... I think ultimately what he's what's happening now is being rewarded for his professionalism and the way he handles himself outside of the ring um, as well. So that's just from a personal perspective. I uh, I thought I bet I thought I'd like to say that. Well, I'd also like touching on what you said about him seeming legitimate, for want of a better phrase, like watching the pay-per-views. He has good matches as well. Like him and Roman Reigns had a match at Survivor Series that was tremendous like absolutely really tremendous and i'll probably touch on this again in the reigns match as well like it's hard to see any other two people carrying the titles at the moment which kind of weakened how i thought how i felt about the rumble i think a little Interesting. Well, we'll come to that in good time. Uh, the second match of the night was the uh, SmackDown Women's title match, which saw Sasha Banks take on Carmella. Um, the match lasted uh, 10 minutes, just over 10 minutes, and was won by Banks with the Banks statement. Tom, your thoughts on this one? Well, first of all, the first thing I noticed is that the first match, 
was uh, commentated on by Tom Phillips, Savojo, and Byron Sexton, who I believe are the broad commentary team. And yeah. then it changed over to uh, Corey Graves and Michael Cobb for the SmackDown. And I much prefer a two-man announced team as opposed to a three-man announced team. But then it occurred to me, is it a member of the announced team per hour of the weekly television show they're on? Does appear to be. Yeah, it does appear to be. Eh? <laughs> that must, that's the only reason it could be like that. Um, <clears throat> didn't mind it. Again, so I've always been a fan of Sasha Banks ever since the NXT days. Again, I'd be lying if I said I watched much recently. Carmella's character appears to have changed, and she's got a Somali with her, which yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed. He, I love the fact that she's got a, a personal wine taster. <laughs> I, I thought that was amazing. And I tell you what, I've watched a documentary. There's a documentary called Som, and it used to be on Netflix, and it's about wine tasting. And it is fantastic. I'd highly recommend it, because they are the most dedicated people to their craft in the entire world. It's a great watch. Um, Sasha Banks raps a theme song, which again yeah. I like, which is great on the way down. Always, always a big fan of that. But uh, it got to a point where I was a little bit... Does she just do Eddie Guerrero's moveset now? I know she's done, you know, the three amigos for quite a while on the frog splash, but is it is that an every match thing? Does she do that a lot now? Not what I've seen, but it is. It's always accompanied by the commentators saying, and her hero Eddie Guerrero, she's doing the three amigos. I was like, she can just do the move without you needing to signpost it. Yeah. especially touching on what we just said about Goldberg. I know it's different, but Eddie Guerrero, obviously through different reasons, he hasn't been around for quite a while. Yeah. Like there will be a lot of wrestling fans who not necessarily don't know who he is, but don't hold him in the regards that people like us probably do. There's not that connection, is there? Well, it's 16 years since he passed away. So yeah. it's a long time. And, you know, imagine, again, go back to when you were watching in 1992, for example. If someone had come along from 1978, you'd have been like, or they've been talking about someone from 1978 and they did it every single match. You'd be like, well, what? <laughs> like, I don't know what yeah. you're talking about. I mean, there is a longer memory because of technology. There's a longer memory now of the fan base in terms of, and also the fan base is older, um, significantly older, or at least on average, it's older. But um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it is a dated reference, you'd have to say. And that sounds bad because we're talking about someone who died. But, you know, in terms of the the understanding of the fans um in you know who watch wwe there's going to be an awful lot of them you thought who don't know or aren't familiar with eddie guerrero so you're right there i do agree um also the bank statement is not a good looking finisher or anything it's effectively just being put in a like doing a yoga pose isn't it a cobra where you just like stretch your back out it doesn't it's, i've never been impressed by the bank statement i never thought it looks like a particularly good move just hold the arm in and turn it into a cross face you know, yeah, but that's got that's more. got other connotations, and especially if they're constantly discussing Eddie Guerrero, <laughs> yeah. they're gonna, <laughs> gonna oh, look at that she's modeling her move set on her hero. <laughs> 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 um, oh man, what was your thoughts on the match? Uh, I I quite enjoyed it. I uh, like these first two matches, and also the part that comes up afterwards. They very much feel like filler. I I was very impressed with Carmella. I think she has. I remember a few years ago saying that she looked all right and uh, not really believing it. I was just kind of being nice. But I think she's genuinely actually quite good now. But the MVP at the match is Reginald. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Reginald is one of the only people I've ever seen get beaten up. Like, Sasha Banks has beaten him up. 
and he's recovering. And then he gets sent to the back. It's like he'd not even done anything. I was like, that's <laughs> lovely. And there was a nice little bit where Carmella does quite a high-impact move. I can't remember what it is, and I didn't write it down. But then she starts moaning about Reginald. She's so angry about Reginald being told to jog on that she just doesn't pin. And it it was just a nice little story in the match because it gave Sasha Banks time to recover. And I thought the um the finish was very abrupt. It kind of it felt like they were kind of just getting going, and then it was bank statement, which uh, uh, I agree with you, Tom. It's effectively a yoga pose with someone's hands around your neck. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then it was done. And it was like, oh, okay. It, it, uh, yeah, you're right. It felt, it felt like someone was like, shit, we got, we got five minutes before Bad Bunny comes out. <laughs> Quickly wrap this up. <laughs> yeah, so, no, I, I mean, I interestingly enough, I was still a bit off on Carmela's performance. I didn't think she was, she did that well. Um, I, I felt like some of the action just looked a little too rehearsed. And I maybe unfairly blamed Carmela for that. I don't, I, and that might be just my own bias because I too have been a big fan of Sasha Banks' work since she arrived in, in WWE um, with some of her NXT work. But I, I yeah, I, I just felt like some of it just, it wasn't a bad match at all. It was perfectly fine, completely adequate. It just wasn't, what I hoped for from Sasha Banks. Like I, I feel like she's capable of much better than this. And I didn't, I guess I automatically blame Carmela for that, but that might be unfair. Um, one note on Reginald, I do like a number of different things about this. I think, first of all, I think for a couple of years or for a number of years, wrestling in general got away from corner men and corner women and um, people that act can play off of. And I know it, I've noticed in WWE over the last two, three years, they've really gotten back to doing this where they they surround wrestlers with other people for them to play off of. You know, we were talking a couple of weeks ago about the lack of backstage um that backstage promos and the fact that you know you very rarely get the interviewer with the person and them talking um and that's a big problem not just because of what we were saying a couple of weeks ago but also because they've got no one to play off of they're, they're just effectively stood there in front of the camera on their own whereas what they're trying to replace that with i think a lot is these corner people and and so from that perspective um i think reginald's a really good addition to carmela's act what was funny though is i watched it with my wife holly and she couldn't get over the fact that a wrestler would have a sommelier a personal sommelier that's um, amazing I, I tried it. to explain it. I did try to explain that these kinds of things have happened in the past. I said to her, we, we watched the Rumble 95 a few weeks back and Jeff Jarrett had a roadie with him. Um, that made perfect sense. Uh, and, you know, we've had Gold Dust when Marlena was first around. She was supposed to be his like personal director. Um, so, yeah, those things, these things have happened before. But, yeah, she wasn't having it. She also wasn't having the way that Americans pronounce the word. Um, oh. Because it sounds like Somalian as opposed, yeah. as opposed to sommelier, which is what um, Reginald is. So I don't know if there's a right way of saying it or not, but I, too, did struggle with that the first time I heard it. Um, the other thing um, that I go back to the, the Carmelo of it all, I, I think I was impressed by her because my expectations were so low. And let's be honest, part of the reason why Reginald is so great for me as well is that he's not Enzo Amore. <laughs> yes. So he could have been anybody, a, basically. It could have been anybody. No, it could have been. He, he's got his own thing going on. I love Rick Reggie. But um, yeah, I did think to myself, I was like, oh my God, remember she used to be with Enzo Amore and he was so annoying. <laughs> yeah. They were, tell you what, to be fair though, Enzo and Big Cast, they were, for about six months, they were the hottest thing since, sli- yeah, sliced bread. 
So they spread the classic tag team champions from the mid 80s. They were uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. magnificent. Um, Brit- British, after- British tag wrestling is finest. <laughs> uh, after this match, we had New Day and Sami Zayn in the backstage. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't got any notes on this, but you guys have you've snuck it into the running order. So, old man, I'm going to come to you and ask you what you thought of it. The only real note that I had was that Sami Zayn is utterly magnificent. I've got no idea what I didn't have a clue what these people behind him were doing until he came out at the Rumble. And then they were like, oh, he's making a documentary on himself. He's just great. And when, when Kofi Kingston made him jump, <laughs> he looked legitimately like he just shit himself as well, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And there's also a nice uh, John Huber tribute on the, uh, who, who was um, Brody Lee. And I've completely drawn a blank Luke, on his. Luke Harper. Luke, Luke Harper. Harper, thank you. Yeah, yeah, there's just a nice little... A little tribute by the New Day, who were apparently incredibly good friends with him. I think there's a time, and I might just be being cynical, but there's a time that WWE wouldn't have done that mm. because he'd left to go to another company and not yeah. been shy in like letting people slag off the company as well like, I think in, fr- I, in front of him. I think an act with less control over what they do might have struggled to do it but the new day have i think one such um kind of trust from wwe management and and the fact that they just go out and effectively because they've obviously got a load of ideas they just go out and do what they want to do i think they probably had free reign to just do it without even really asking permission so i think you're i think you're right probably i think a lesser a lesser act though would have would have struggled to to be able to do it um, going back to what old man said about Sami Zayn, yeah, and do you know what I, I love about Sami Zayn is that he is perfect in both roles as a heel and a babyface, and he is amazing at just making little tweaks to to turn him either way. Like I would not have thought he was such a when he was in NXT and his, at his early WWE kind of tenure, main roster tenure, he was such like an amazing scrappy underdog, and then he just flips a switch and just becomes this arrogant dickhead without really changing much. Obviously, his attire has changed somewhat and, and stuff like that, but I still think he's great. And in terms of the New Day, I was watching it, and I, I'm, am I correct in thinking that Kofi's on Raw and the other two are on SmackDown? Woods and Kofi are on Raw, and Biggie is on SmackDown, is he? and he's got that really ugly Intercontinental title. Yeah, and I, just, I was watching it, and I was like, I hope they don't ever break up. Whilst, although I think a... A real intense and I made a little bit of a note about kind of Biggie's kind of intensity later on but like an intense Biggie heel turn would be amazing I also at the same time don't want them to ever break up and it means that they're in like a really good position like amongst the fans because if he ever did turn heel it, it the heat would be incredible yeah yeah I, I think it's really refreshing that they haven't been broken up you know mm. this is six years they've been together now um as a trio it's got to be longer than nearly any other pairing or trio of any kind in wwe for for a very long time i mean it just is unheard of these days but it is really refreshing i think they come across as really liking one another which i'm sure they do in real life which helps because you actually buy into the fact that they wouldn't break uh, break up mm. you know, they wouldn't split up but also like i think it's really important for fans investment in a show that wrestlers do stay um in the same kind of mindset for long periods of time like uh, i think over the last three years 
taking Lacey Evans, for example, she was a heel in 2019, uh, 2019's Royal Rumble. She was a baby face at last year's Rumble, and she's a heel again now. And I think if you are a fan watching that, how do you have any faith that you should continue to feel this way about Lacey Evans for any length of time when well, you know well, that she's already turned baby face and heel? three times in the last three years i mean so i think it's really great that they've kind of stuck these guys together and they've stayed together um and the other thing about uh, the new day is i think if they take Big E to a point where he goes after a world title i don't know if that's possible and it probably isn't likely now it's been around quite a long time without getting there but if he did get there then i might be willing to accept a feud between him and kofi over that title um, and I think there's a way to tell a story, a really good story there, um, and which would really engage people. But unless you're going to do that, unless it's going to be at that level of importance, there's no need. Just le- just keep these guys together because they're far val- more valuable as a group than they are having a mid-card feud over the Intercontinental title, for example. That would be a real waste. So um, next up, then, we had... Um, the the performance from bad bunny and i gotta be honest today i was going to attempt to listen to the song that he performed on spotify or something if it was if it was there just because to be honest i could barely hear what the song was in when on the show itself i just the i don't know if the sound quality was bad or just bad bunny performed badly live um but it but it just went it was one of those things where i was like well i don't remember i'm never going to remember that because it just there was nothing it just didn't didn't leave any impression it was just bad for me that the performance itself was bad so i was going to listen to it and then i forgot about that so i haven't done it <laughs> um tom i'm gonna i'm gonna throw to you because i have a feeling that you already have some opinions about bad bunny in fact you probably know more about bad bunny i'm assuming than what's going on in wwe for the moment so let's go to you i am a big fan of bad bunny as a recording artist i've i've been listening to him for a couple of years now probably about, probably about two or three years now um, since prior to his first album coming out, actually, so like when there weren't many songs and stuff on Apple Music, um, I'm a big fan of Bad Bunny. I do, and he's always been. He is a massive WWF fan. He always has been. He wears he wears retro T-shirts at his shows, and he is he is a big WWF fan. Um, and I knew he was going to be doing this song because I knew the song already, Booker T, and I knew that the performance was going to be exactly what it was because that's exactly the same as the music video. The video is Booker T. The only difference is that in the music video. Booker T's wearing sunglasses and he wasn't at this in this thing. That was the only difference between that. I really enjoyed it, but because I like his music, um, I quite like a lot of that Latin trap and reggaeton music, um, especially since I went to Central America. Now, I know he's from Puerto Rico, but I went to Central America in 2019 and his music is absolutely huge over there. Um so I've got a bit of a, I'm quite quite fond of Bad Bunny and have been for a while. So much so that I went on to the WWE shop and bought the T-shirt afterwards. <laughs> so it's coming in the post. It's, it's good that you have something to add to this because I'm a bit like Tinky. I can't understand a bleeding word that you were saying. I will say it was in Spanish. Well, to be That's... fair, I am fl- I am fluent in Spanish. <laughs> so L W W E. It's la W W E because W W E is feminine. Uh, so. <laughs> you're <laughs> you feminine. <laughs> so there there is a little bit of a theme in the pay per view. Well, I say theme. There's two things that struck me with this pay per view. Bad Bunny announced as the biggest Latin artist in the world, and then obviously as a little performance in Spanish, and then a there's a 
very odd bit during the Rumble when Rey Mysterio comes in, which we'll touch on, which I found very, very odd. But we'll, we'll save that for the Rumble, because otherwise I'll, I'll go off on a little tangent and then the, the listeners will be sat here in three hours' time just thinking, what's that blithering idiot on about? <laughs> One thing I will say is that Bad Bunny is actually quite a get for WWE because he was the biggest most listened to artist on Spotify in 2020. Like he's he's a big deal in especially in like Latin American countries and, and all all kind of um, Latin countries. He's he's a big deal. So that's quite a get to be honest. As well. That was the impression I got was that you know as much as I don't know him like I'm nearly 40 now. I'm not really of the age where I'm supposed to be able to keep up with this stuff. And certainly if they were going to get a music artist that I was interested in, I'd be like, well, that makes WWE look a bit small time. So for me, it did come across as if this was a get for WWE. I just think ultimately the performance left me with no impression on him because it just thought, I don't know if it was the sound quality or him, but I just thought it was so bad in terms of, I can't, there's nothing I can get from it. I can't tell whether the song's any good or whether this type of music is is something I could even possibly like because I just thought that the performance was so bad. <laughs> Sorry, just, I thought so. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, performing their award-winning hit, good enough. It's <laughs> dodgy. <laughs> hey, hey, that would be a massive get for WWE. Huge. <laughs> you leave dodgy alone. Um, we saw them live, didn't we? My dad called them wankers. <laughs> <laughs> They were, in fairness, they were wankers. They were complete wankers. I, you know, they they were really, yeah. Well, we won't go into that right now. Um, <laughs> so next up was the Women's Royal Rumble match. And uh, as we traditionally do, I will go through the list of entries and I will make some comments about what actually happened after their entrance. And then I'll kind of throw to you guys. Before we do that, we obviously had the montage. The numbers montage, which they yeah. do every year, which I quite enjoy. Yeah. Um, poor Titus, though. That <laughs> no, that oh. fucking bit where he falls over and slides into the ring is amazing. It is so funny. But that is the fight. He already had a pretty meddling, you know, not very impressive career. But that has come to define his fucking career. And, oh, God, he must be, must be like, oh, for fuck's sake, every time he sees it, he must get so, like, Disheartened, be like, oh yeah, that's it, that was it. You know what? Who it has benefited though, don't you? Old Shockmaster, Shockmaster uh-huh. never gets yeah. shown anymore because he's got Titus O'Neil instead. So yeah, I mean, look, every, one man's misfortune is another man's gain, and I bet you, Shockmaster, old old tugboat typhoon Fred Ottman is absolutely <laughs> loving it. The worst thing about uh, old Titus is that they'd taken him to Saudi Arabia to be in what is, I think, a 50-man Royal Rumble. So it's just such a pointless spot to be in as well. And by all accounts, he can barely move because his knees are so fucked. So it's not a surprise that he fell under the ring. Yeah. Oh. It's slight, though. He comes out there. Oh. It's like that never-ending <laughs> slide tackle by Sol Campbell where he just keeps going. There's two moments of his career that pretty much stand out. And there's this one, and then there's the one on Raw when he grabbed Vince. Oh, yeah. Grab Vince's arm as Vince was. Who was it they'd done the tribute to? Was it Daniel Bryan? They'd kind of. I can't remember who it was, but somebody they did a, a tribute to, or, uh, or or someone was retiring or something. And anyway, they were walking off stage and Vince, he grabbed Vince McMahon's arm and and that then he got suspended as a consequence of well, it. What was really weird though is that Vince. It seemed like they were having a little laugh, a little joke, and then he it got is. suspended. It yeah. was really weird. Well, he said to be quite a close friend of Vince, apparently. But um. Well, they love. They, he does loads of like the. 
he basically is there to do like events and stuff like that now he's not there for wrestler because he's by all accounts a lovely bloke okay so the first two entrants into the women's royal rumble match were bailey and naomi which i thought was quite a quite a cool starting point for this this match um although i will say that i've got no notes in terms of what happened after they started fighting um and number third in the rumble was bianca belair and they and then she had a pretty cool exchange with naomi any any thoughts on the first three entrants the cartwheel thing was pretty cool. There was a bit of a botch beforehand, yeah. wasn't there? They obviously, but when they got it going, it was great. And also, and sorry, old man, because I know you want to say something, but again, have seen, I've seen very little of Bailey, you know, post, you know, the sideways ponytail and stuff like that. And she is great as a heel. Yeah. She's perfect in it. She's got, she's got like the shit kind of like, you know, like the quote unquote Karen haircut. Do you know what I mean? And like the like the the kind of like the arrogance and the fact that she came over and started having a go about Michael Cole, even though he wasn't even there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I just I really enjoyed um, Bailey as she came down. Yeah, I said about at twenty at the twenty twenty Rumble. I wrote a piece on the Random Wrestling Review uh, website, which was uh, was actually a review of the Rumble twenty twenty, and I said that I didn't think that Bailey should have been a heel. I thought she didn't, she did, it didn't suit her. I thought that there's some people who are just born to be a baby face and should always be baby face. Then I saw some of the work she did at WrestleMania and a bit, a bit after that. And I completely revised my opinion. I think she is fantastic. One of the best things about WWE that I saw at last year's WrestleMania was Bailey and the way she handled herself as a heel. So I yeah, take it all back. You're absolutely right. She's, she's really good. Yeah. That's pretty much what I was going to say. I was going to touch on the uh, Michael Cole thing because so that's a running joke. I've seen the Broken Skull sessions where Austin interviews Bailey. And basically when Bailey and Sasha Banks were tag champions and they were heels, they basically tried to play to the crowd. So they just started playing to Michael Cole. And Bailey has just basically run with it and does it pretty much every week because there's no crowd. She just shouts at Michael Cole, which is <laughs> wonderful. This is absolutely wonderful because Michael Cole, he's a heck of a pro. Well, Michael Cole has got to be now the longest running announcer in WWE's history, other than Vince himself, I would have thought. I can't, I don't think anybody has been a commentator in WWE as long as Michael Cole has. It's two decades, more than two decades now. But but more so than that as well, the lead commentator as well. True. Because let's, let's not forget, like, as we discussed, I think, on like the, the first episode, maybe, um, Vincent Mann was the lead commentator for their TV, but he wasn't for their pay-per-views. Um, obviously, because I'm assuming because he he wanted to be behind the scenes and stuff. So he has effectively been the voice of WWE for a long time now. And people don't like him. And I understand that because there are flaws to his commentary. But it, his job is fucking ridiculously tough to, to try and sell the match and get in all of the other stuff, all of the plugs all the promos, all the storytelling for other matches is he must it, it must be so difficult to. It's a little bit like um, Jeff Stelling. He must just have to be. Mm-hmm. He must not even have to think what he says. He must just have to just blurt it out straight away. Yeah, absolutely. I've got to think that there's an outside chance that Bailey and Michael Cole face each other at WrestleMania. <laughs> well, they they nodded to that more than once, they did. didn't they? Yeah. During the match, because I did think that. And then I thought it would be a nice swerve if Michael Cole pretended to be injured and then someone made a comeback because there was a, I don't know whether anybody saw it. I don't quite know how I 
saw it, but Medusa was angling for a WrestleMania match. And I did wonder when they were talking about Michael Cole, I was like, oh, I wonder if I wonder if that might be a thing that they do. Well, one of the hints was because Jerry Lawler was obviously on commentary for this mm. for this Rumble match. And one of the hints was that maybe Michael Cole will finally be beaten at WrestleMania because Michael Cole remains undefeated at WrestleMania because he beat yes. Lawler um, that one year. So um, I just I, I think there's got to be an outside chance, especially if you think Bailey has been a very important act in WWE this last year or so. At the moment, it doesn't look like there's anything obvious lined up for her for that for that for WrestleMania. There's got to be a chance, especially if there are three. Oh, sorry, if there are two nights of WrestleMania this year, mm. you've got a lot of matches to get on there. It really wouldn't surprise me if that happened. Next up, we had Billy Kay, who, when she came down to the ring, joined the commentators at ringside and was handing out eight by tens signed by herself. <laughs> I thought Billy Kay was absolutely phenomenal. I thought she was magnificent. This was the kind of thing that I loved. It was just. Like it was different. We I don't think we've seen anything really like this, but really simple. Really, no, not nothing overly complex or convoluted. And she was funny. She's really funny. Uh, yeah, I thought she was brilliant. Yeah, I thought it was brilliant as well. Because when she came down, like she's of the three that were in the way that I feel like she would have broken up a nice dynamic that they had going. Yeah. And I thought it was just incredibly sensible. And then obviously it carries on. I think it's five or six entrance. She mm-hmm. keeps doing her thing. <laughs> so oh, Shotzi Blackheart comes down, shoots her with the tank. <laughs> yeah. So Shotzi Blackheart is entrant number five. And yeah, she comes out and um, Billy Kay approaches her to give her one of the eight by tens. But Shotzi just shoots out with the tank, as you said. So I've got no idea who Shotzi Blackheart is. I've never, never even, like even people who I don't know, I've usually heard of them. So I'd heard of Billy Kay, for example, and Bianca Belair, which, by the way, I will get back to Bianca Belair. Going into this, I knew that she was going to be a favourite just because I'd heard it on, on a podcast. So I will say, I find her really long ponytail genuinely quite frightening. <laughs> yeah. Because I can serious. imagine just getting accidentally whipped by that or that getting caught in something. Do you know what I mean? It's genuinely, genuinely quite like quite scary and i found it quite unsettling because i don't know why but i just had the idea of it getting caught in like a lift as it's going down and just being ripped out of the scalp or something like that because there's a lot of hair to get caught in something yeah this is very very unsettling there's a couple of things to clear up there the first reason you knew about bianca Belair was surely because our followers on twitter voted her as their prediction to win this royal rumble prior to the, the show um so congratulations to our followers on twitter that's at uh, rwr pod uk um and then chossie blackheart understandably that you wouldn't know it not only are you not watching regularly but she's also on nxt so she's not even yet graduated to the main roster um number six in the royal rumble was Shayna baszler and again billy k approached her with an eight by ten trying to uh you know, trying to make a, an alliance with the people that she was offering these pictures to. Um, and Baszler pretty much swatted her aside and entered the ring. Shayna Baszler then. I know her name, again, one of these people whose name I know. Um, she is terrifying. And I think it's because she hasn't got any eyebrows. I think yes. that's what it is. I think that's what it is. But she was very good in the Rumble um, throughout, throughout majority. She had some really cool eliminations and um, she eliminates someone later on with like a rear naked choke over the rope which is really cool considering i'd never really seen her i probably have seen her wrestle before did she fought flair uh, charlotte flair didn't she um rumble no. last year she, or was that rear ripley rear ripley but again, again my, my point stands that i don't know who she is really i've got no opinion yeah. of her um and i thought she was really really good i've um yeah i was i was really impressed by her 
and she looks legitimately badass as well. Like she she could kick anyone's ass in real life, I believe. As we've said, like I've kind of kept up with it a bit more than the two scroats that I'm with. <laughs> but I think oh, she's just wasted. Just such a waste. She kicked anyone's ass. I always thought when she popped up on the scene was her and Asuka could just like on the main roster just have a match have a massive match at WrestleMania just beat the shit into each other and just be something that we don't really see anymore I just think she's a terrible waste and the thing that struck me when she comes down to the ring is I was sat there and I just thought bloody hell can you imagine even four years ago probably three years ago to be honest having because I know Bailey Naomi Bianca Bella seen a little bit of Shotzi Blackheart and Shayna Baszler like those people are the first entrance to a women's Royal Rumble. It made me think how far things have mm. come. Yeah, you think you think back to like the real grim like two thousands era of the divas, and yeah. you do you think to yourself, oh my god, like the 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 way that it's it's come along, and it's all thanks to Stephanie McMahon with the women's revolution, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's all down to that the divas revolution. It's all down to Stephanie McMahon. I think what this this really shows actually is that this is the real success. This is the real indicator of success of NXT, this Women's Royal Rumble. The fact that you've got so many, not just good wrestlers, but well-defined women characters. Like, there are lots of different characters with different looks and, and you know, a variety of gimmicks. This is where the real strength, I think, of um, the women's roster is now. It's not just in the quality of the wrestlers. It is the fact that there is well-thought-out gimmicks where different people are are fitting into different slots and are filling different roles. And I think that is the real um, excitement about this. And I, you know, I was going to leave this for a bit later, but I think this is also, you were talking about earlier on about the men's rumble and the, the lack of potential winners. There are a glut of potential win, win, winners oh. in this women's rumble. Like I was just quickly writing them down. I got Bailey, Naomi, Bianca Belair, uh, Shayna Baszler, Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair, Alexa Bliss, and Nia Jax. I think we're all more than legitimate having a chance of winning this this Royal Rumble. Um, and they they and I think sometimes this can be a bit of a, a weakness because that can sometimes mean in in you know in the in the course of the normal running of a, a wrestling promotion, none of them they're all they're all at a high level. So you're having to try and constantly find places for all of them on your normal cards. But in a rumble, it really helps because you want lots and lots of potential winners. And so I thought that really aided this match. The fact that there were so many potential winners and again, so many kind of very different acts involved. You, you touched on it back then, the difference, the main difference, and it, I, I'm basically repeating what you're saying to be honest, mate. So you can cut this if you want, but is the fact that even for me, who doesn't, watch it anymore i already knew who the characters were just by looking at them yeah you can tell in a way that you can't with the men's division it's true they've done a great job there um up, up next was uh tony storm number seven um uh and after she came out shotzi blackheart was eliminated by Shayna baszler tony yeah. storm i wrote cool elimination of blackheart by baszler but i can't remember what happened <laughs> nor me else? <laughs> no afraid no. not Yes. Um, any thoughts on Tony Storm? Uh, lots of Germans straight away, which is always nice to see. She lots of German suplexes right at the beginning, which uh, considering that I don't know who she is or had even heard of her before, I uh, enjoyed a lot of German suplexes. 
So Tony Storm is somebody also hasn't yet been called up to the main roster. She is on NXT, but she was also before that on NXT UK. She's Australian, I believe. And you may and also Tony Storm before she was in uh, NXT UK was in progress. So and she was the women's champion there as well. So she is she is will be familiar to, familiar to a lot of British fans um, from a lot of what she's done in the past. I don't know anything of Tony Storm, but I do remember when uh, they made their debut in NXT UK. I believe they were the first NXT UK women's champion. And the anger of wrestling fans that they were being used in NXT UK was like, just told me that she she's probably something a little bit special and someone to keep an eye on. And I haven't seen anything of her since until all those German suplexes that Tom spoke about. Well, there's a fine way to introduce yourself. Up, there, up next is uh, the, one of the surprise entrances of the Women's Royal Rumble, Gillian Hall. Um, again, uh, Billy Kay approached her before she got in the ring, gave her an 8x10. And this time, uh, Gillian was receptive to the uh, the offer of a team, and they decided to come into the ring as Billy and Jilly. So once again, I thought Billy Kay was fantastic, and uh, it was interesting to see Gillian Hall back in the WWE. It was interesting seeing Gillian Hall trying to take her microphone off. As well, so very, <laughs> yes. stuck on her head as she was doing, as she was doing, taking it off. Yes, indeed. Not the only thing that got stuck during this show, and we'll come to that a bit later on. Um, so Gillian Hall was in the uh, was in the ring, and then number nine was one of the Riot Squad, Ruby Riot. And then um, Billy and Jilly tried to team up with Riot. And well, I found this quite funny because at first they were kind of following her around the ring, trying to help her. But Ruby Riot was having none of it. She was walking away. Old man, uh, your your thoughts on this one? There's a recurring storyline with Billy Kay where Billy Kay is trying to join the Riot Squad. Right. So that was um, that was what that whole thing was about, which I believe the commentators mentioned, and I'd also read about. They did mention. Yeah. One thing that struck me about Ru- Ruby Riot is uh, her trousers would infuriate me because <laughs> it comes out it's kind of like shorts on one side full trouser leg on the other and then at the bottom there's more trouser oh, i would do my head in the the fact that ruby riot even made it down to the ring wearing them was enough for me that she should have probably won the whole thing <laughs> i've got i've got a note here it just says ruby riot is cool yes and i'm sticking to that because she looks fucking cool like, like again, like what you what we kind of alluded to just now. She immediately different from everyone else. You can just tell, yeah. and it's that sort of thing where she's got like a look about her that you just know what she's like in real life. Do you know what I mean? Like it's the the the, the, the she's obviously got that influence to her in a character in the same way that like Raven looked cool. You know what I mean? In in you know back in the day, like it just it just those when characters look like that i hate to be that kind of cliche like alternative like look to them you just automatically feel there's something different and different out of place from everyone else on the roster who is just um, in wrestling gear you know yeah, and it, it, just, it, it immediately right. stands out it looks different yeah if, when if it's done done right yeah that's the thing and i think you know you i think at one point there you mentioned that you can tell this is what she's like i don't know that this is what she's like but i feel like it is what she's like and that's surely the point is she's supposed you're supposed to believe that this is what she's like regardless if she is or not and she and she pulls it off so i think that's uh 
That's really cool. Um, up next was another one of the surprise entrances to the Royal Rumble. Victoria uh, was number 10. Uh, she was in it in the end for about seven minutes. Uh, Victoria returning. Any thoughts, Tom? Not really, but she did some pretty cool moves. Like she, she pulled up a couple of real good moves. Like I really enjoyed it when, what was her finisher called? The one where she like drops, basically uh, drops someone and forces them into a split. Uh, the Black Widow, was it? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and she like, and there's quite a cool exchange with someone where they kind of well, it's what she, someone did that on someone else or a version of that, and then she did it on them. That was quite cool. Hit a nice, a nice uh, tarantula on the ropes with someone as well. It's just quite fun. Like I didn't, I'm not a massive stand for Victoria personally, but it was just quite nice to see you know someone from back in the day turn up and still put in a decent shift. Do you think, and I mean this with the greatest respect to her, do you think anyone's a big stand for Victoria? There's some weird people out there. So, yeah. She had a a half decent, no, I'd say half decent. She had a very good run in TNA, if I'm honest. Uh, Mm -hmm. um, She did pretty well. And she was probably the star of the the knockouts division there for a couple of years. Um, She hasn't been a full-time wrestler for a long time. I mean, it must must be close to, must be coming up to six, seven years now since she's been a main, uh, full-time wrestler. So uh, to perform the way she did, I thought was was pretty impressive. Yeah, this, her entrance. So one thing, she played to the hard camera. I think she's the only person in the whole show, apart from during their entrance, who just played to the hard camera when she did her little poses. And also, and this, this isn't related to Victoria necessarily, but WWE evidently have a new 8K camera. Yes, I'm glad something. you watched that. And this was the first entrance that I noticed it. Mm. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> I don't, it looks like. Oh, yeah. 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 So is this one when, because Roman, sorry, let's skip him forward, but Roman Reigns looked like he was on a computer game walking out. It yes. was really good. Yeah. yeah. It's so there were about terrifying. five or six entrances in the middle of the Rumble, Women's Rumble, that had this look. And I was saying to Holly, like my wife, I was like, why, what, what is that camera about? That's just weird. It looks like a computer game. And she was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I was like, what? It looks like it's real. It doesn't even look real. It looks, it, it's, I was like, it must be this ultra high definition bullshit that they're coming up with. And God, probably sound like an old man there. But I had see, I had seen it. I had seen it um, used on a football, on a piece of football footage a few months ago. And equally, that looked like a, a video game as well. So I don't know if I'm just attuned to seeing things on screen, not in real life. And when they bec- when they look completely real, it freaks me out. Or this high, this extra high definition or whatever the hell it is, is just weird. Yeah, so, I I don't want to watch anything in 8K. I wouldn't say it scared me, but I found it very disorientating. It was only when I noticed... Oh, Bad Bunny's DJ mates Dex in the corner that I knew it wasn't pre-recorded. Um, there was a um, I I can't remember noticing it in the um in the the, the women's rumble match, but I definitely noticed it on the Roman Reigns thing. And it yeah, I, I was very much like, what's going on here? I don't understand. So then number eleven was former uh, iconics teammate of Billy Kay, Peyton Royce. She came out um and. Uh, the she had a little bit of a reunion with old Billy Kay, but that was interrupted by Bailey and Ruby Riot. 
I don't know what, again, as somebody who's not watching it a lot at the moment, this is going to happen a few times. And so I don't know what's happened to Billy Kay and to Peyton Royce over the last couple of years. But when the Iconics were together, I thought they were one of the best things going in WWE. So I was disappointed to see that they are not still a team. Oh, man, maybe you can fill, fill me in on it. Yeah, they, they got uh, they got separated during the draft. Right. Which okay. was, yeah, which is like I haven't seen anything of either of them up until the rumble since yeah i mean that's that's the thing for me is that this is what i was talking about with the new day is that they break people up so quickly even when like the iconics seem to have loads of potential as a really entertaining Mm -hmm. tag team and we saw here billy Kay is really really entertaining and the two of them together were really good i thought um and seemed prime candidates to build the the women's tag team division around but for whatever reason they didn't they they split them up well, it just seems odd when they've not done anything with either of yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. As, yeah. as well, like, I mean, as we've touched upon, like, a few minutes ago, like, it's a pretty stacked women's roster. Yeah. Like, so it's quite hard. And, yeah, it just kind of makes it even more mystifying, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, number 12 was Santana Garrett. Um, I've got no notes in terms of what happened after she came out, um, and, and she didn't last particularly long either. Another uh, woman that's currently not on the main roster. She's uh, on NXT still. Well, they kept, they said second-generation athlete, but they didn't say who the first generation was. I looked it up, and I don't think you'll know who, she, who it is. That's why. Um, why, bring it, why bring it up, then? Pointless. Yeah. I don't um, know. The, the, the thing that <clears throat> stood out, so... My note for Santana Garrett is no idea, but I enjoyed their little cameo. Is at this point where obviously King Jerry Lawler had his shtick back in the day, incredibly sexist and chauvinistic. And uh, he says, this is the only comment I can remember from the whole match, is that he says, seeing all these women in the ring, watching this makes me think what heaven will be like. He followed it up by saying, Imagine they're all fighting over you. Yes, to Byron Saxton, I think it is, <laughs> who completely no-sells it and is obviously like, we need to get away from this as quickly as possible. I mean, it was just it, it's a bit ham-fisted from WWE even to put Jerry Lawler in the commentary for this yeah. match, isn't it? I mean, come on. like it, It's so logical that you don't want Jerry Lawler associated with this match or really the women's division at all, given what he's... Is, even if... Even if what he said in the past wasn't actually him, but was just a character that he had portrayed for however many years, just that association should have been enough to say, you know what, let's not have him as a commentator for women's matches. And they did it here. It's just stupid. It kind of smacks up as well that of them. They were like, you know, we'll put Lawler in the on the pay-per-view because he's been around for a long time. And he's, you know, we, we kind of own that is as they probably think. Um, but it goes to they'll put them on the women's match, but not the men's match, because in, yeah. I still think they don't think it's as important, which it might not necessarily be as portrayed. You know, it might still be like, you know, the main event of WrestleMania is going to be a man's match, which based on, in my opinion, the two rumbles is not necessarily shouldn't be the shouldn't be the way it is. Um, I, I it still seems to me that like, oh, we'll, we'll, ch- we'll, we'll throw him on the women's rumble match because we don't want him on the men's match because that's the one we're really concerned about. I wouldn't mind them not taking one of the Rumble matches as seriously as the other if it was if it felt like that was just dependent on whichever one should be in the main event. Um, so, for example, I think the first Women's Royal Rumble was the main event of the Royal Rumble, which 
was right. They should have also had the main event the year Becky Lynch won as well, because that was by far and away the more important Rumble match, because Becky Lynch was the biggest star in the company at the time. So she should, so the one she won should have been the, the main event. But I don't mind if occasionally the men's Rumble is the main event, so they treat the other one less importantly. But there does feel like there is a trend still towards treating the men's Rumble as more important, regardless of which is the more significant just on paper. I just think yeah. a creepy, rapey fucking jerry lawler on there do you know what i mean like just it, one if even if you take that into account is 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 questionable you know decision making and he's also shit as well now he is absolute turd so yeah. he adds nothing to the to the to the fucking yeah. proceedings either no one's watching that thinking oh what's jerry lawler gonna say next also it feeds into what we were saying about the references to Eddie Guerrero and also Goldberg, you know, that's just like the King holds a certain level of, I'll have a little bit of warmth for King because of his work with JR during the Attitude Era when I was watching the most wrestling I've ever watched. But now it's just kind of like, yeah, we're 20 years removed, well, 18 to 20 years removed from that. And he's just, a carrot talking basically just a <laughs> bladed carrot a talking just carrot talking, yeah talking absolute nonsense as tom said like no one's waiting for what jerry's gonna add to proceedings no one's gagging to know what he's gonna say Indeed because not. it's gonna probably be bollocks yeah absolutely um, let's move on. Number 13, Liv Morgan, the other half of the Riot Squad. After this, the the uh, alliance between Billy and Jilly is finished. Uh, they finally stop teaming up. Um, after which, Billy Kay is eliminated by Jillian. No, Billy Col- Sorry, Billy Kay eliminates Jillian Hall. And then the Riot Squad eliminate Billy Kay. Um, so much for Billy's hopes of being part of the Riot Squad, for now, at least. Knowing what we know now as well, that's quite a nice tie-in. It is. Number 14 was Rhea Ripley, and this is where I made the note that the HD camera is very odd. Ripley then came in, eliminated Tony Storm, and then um, Baszler eliminates Victoria, um, and Victoria, in the process, almost lands on her head. It was a bit uh, dangerous-looking. Any thoughts on what we've uh, just uh, run through there? I really enjoyed going back to when Liv Morgan came into the ring. Immediately, because uh, Ruby Riot's about to be lobbed out, Liv Morgan immediately runs around the side and kicks someone in the head who's trying to get rid of Ruby Riot. Yeah. I thought it's just just a lovely, simple little bit of story and kind of. It's it's the canonic continuity that I like about yeah. it. The fact that we know that they're a team, so they should help each other. And if you don't acknowledge yeah. that, it's just not. It's much. It's much more fuller for the viewer if they, especially ones that watch it week in week out, see those things. I just think it makes a, a whole a whole lot of difference. Those little touches. So before we, I'll tell you what, because we've been going now for well over an hour. Let's just take a quick break there. We're about to have the fifteenth entrant. We'll take a quick break there, and we'll come back to you in just a second. Uh, did Retribution beat your air last week? Yeah, yeah, they did. And did they beat your air the week prior? They did. Uh, uh, but tonight, when you... They actually, they, they beat my one more time. They so did beat your one more time. Well, Woods, tonight, sure. all I need from you is 60 minutes, Max. 60 minutes from you mm-hmm. and myself to change our wrestling lives go. forever. Let's go. Let's go. 60 minutes, Max, to enter our names amongst the wrestling gods. The what? The wrestling gods. The who? The wrestling gods. Oh, from on high. 
Okay, so welcome back. Um, and number 15 in the Royal Rumble then, moving swiftly on into the rest of this Rumble, uh, is Charlotte Flair, one of the key entrants uh, in the match. Um, Bailey eliminates Ruby Riot, as you said, old man, just moments after Riot had been saved by Liv Morgan with a powerbomb out of the ring. So she was yes. out of the ring, which was a pretty cool elimination, I thought. Um, Charlotte Flair had to be one of the favourites going into this, I, I would uh, imagine. I will never... And I mean ever, to quote your favourite wrestler of all time, Tinky, um, get bored of Charlotte Flair's entrance music. It's so amazing. <laughs> it's so amazing. That old Flair music with like that beat behind it would just always be like, oh, it's amazing. Um, I this So this is something I noticed at the Rumble, and even more so than in most other Rumbles, lots of apron eliminations and... I theorised, and I could be completely wrong, speaking out of my ass here, but because of the nature of the, the women in the Rumble generally being shorter than the men, that it might be a bit more difficult to get launched over the top rope and out onto the floor. Maybe. I, I might be talking absolute bollocks here, so, you know, give me that. But I did notice there's loads and loads of eliminations in this match that kind of took place after some action on the apron and then falling down rather than going over the top rope and straight onto the floor. Well, I, I'd love to know how this and the other match were agented, like who was agenting them and what, and what, what, cause I, I can only imagine one of the reasons you use a, the, the apron a lot is just because you're trying to come up with different ways of eliminating people. Mm-hmm. And I assume whoever was agenting this match has thought, right, I need to come up with 30 different or 29 different eliminations. And, and so I just wonder if that were, and it will be a different person to who is doing, being the agent for the men's rumble, I would have thought. So yeah, I wonder I, if I that's mean, what you're seeing is just the difference between who's aging in the two matches. Possibly. I also, I mean, I'm not like banging on the drum, but maybe rightly or wrongly, that might be a consideration by that agent as well, perhaps. I don't know. I'm not sure. But it's just something I thought about because... Obviously, a lot of the women in these matches are shorter than than a lot of the men who are in the men's matches. So I just wonder if that's a consideration when it comes to designing the eliminations or not. Yeah, I, I, I maybe, maybe I'd be surprised, but I don't, I don't know. Maybe I've no, no, no reason to doubt it, other than I just, I don't know. It just seems quite. I would imagine it's a difficult fall, no matter how big you are. <laughs> it's not yeah. a very nice thing to be to be chucked out over the top rope, anyway. So then next was 16, Dana Brooke. Um, the match was now full of people in the ring. It was really quite full at this point. Because there were so many people, it allowed Brooke to come in and do a big somersault into a big crowd of, of women. Um, and then uh, Liv Morgan eliminate, was eliminated by Peyton Royce. One thing I also noticed at this point, saying that there were so many people in the ring, was a contrast between the two rumbles we've watched from the 1990s to this one and not just this woman's rumble but also the men's rumble is that they have got much better at economizing the space in the ring than they used to be like you will fight you see now I, I know that this has always been a feature but i think now they're so much better at hugging the outside of the ring so that you can allow the two featured mm-hmm. performers or the one featured performer who's supposed to be doing something notable at that point to actually be seen by everybody else. It's something that I think they have just got better at as time has gone on. They, they all kind of absolutely economize the space so you can fit like 10 people in and you can still have two other people doing something of note that is all the focus is on them. Yeah, that, that's such a good point. And I did notice, I did 
like around about this point in the rumble noticed there were and throughout a lot of people in the in the ring at the same time and i really liked it and again it didn't feel but part of the problem with like a battle royal for example is that when you've got 20 people all in the ring at the same time it can look so messy and overcrowded obviously there weren't that many as many people in the ring but it's probably a good you know nine people in the ring nine ten people in the ring at any one time throughout a lot of this this rumble and it never felt like that and that's very much down to kind of what you just said then to be perfectly honest yeah i think that because i definitely preferred this rumble to the men's because as we touched upon there's kind of more people that you think can win the more people that are in there i think there's more danger that those people will get thrown out as well whereas if you've got for example you had charlotte rhea ripley I don't know, some other people whose names I can't remember now off the top of my head. Like if you had only a handful of people, you'd know that someone has to get thrown out or they're just going to kind of have a little scrap around until a few other people come in. Mm. So like Tom said, I think they kept the level of competitor in the ring to a really good level that kept you interested as well as a fan. Um, I, I will I will talk about that in a bit a, a bit later because I think there's some interesting points about that um, that we can get into. Um, number seventeen was Tory Wilson, another surprise return to the WWE in this Rumble. Um, and after she came in, um, Rhea Ripley powerbombed Brooke onto the ring apron, another mm. ring apron elimination, yeah. um, sending mm, Brooke brutal. out. Another brutal one, yeah, absolutely. Um, um, Tory Wilson, was it a surprise? Like I figured, if anybody from like the past is going to turn up. It was going to be Tori Wilson. She's always knocking around, isn't she? <laughs> I don't know. I don't watch it that often. Well, considering that, I, considering that I don't watch it anymore, she's come back enough for me to notice that she comes back a lot. Yeah, fair enough. They do tend to have, um, they have, at least in the past, tended to have a lot of returning women. Um, and I think that's partially because, you know, we, we did see about, what was it, you know, at least five or six NXT entrance as well to this rumble so you know there obviously is less women on the main roster than there are men and they do need to make up the numbers uh, especially as they add uh, you know two other women's matches on on the on the card as a whole um, well the, the other thing i'll say as well is that they do massively over overstate the impact that tory wilson and another legend <laughs> later on as well <laughs> yeah i think i guess the thing is because the women are still this is still the primordial stages, if you like, of a more competitive and a, a, and a more important women's roster. There is a sense that the people that were at the beginning of that and the people who perhaps preceded it are kind of trailblazers. And I guess in that respect, I think it's there is a I can understand why they are considered that way, because there are anybody who was around before this had to do it in quite difficult circumstances where they weren't considered very important by the company. So the fact that they even managed to be a wrestler in WWE was an achievement in itself, I suppose. Um, number 18 is Lacey Evans, and she comes out with Ric Flair. And this was really confusing me because I was like, the thing, the thing that confused me is last year, um, Santina Morella was in the Royal Rumble. Uh, the women's Royal Rumble. And so when Ric Flair's music came on, I was like, what's going on now? Like, what in the world is happening? Not only that, but they'd also talked about the fact that Nia Jax, uh, I think it was either last year or the year before, had been in both the men's and the women's Rumble. So I thought, 
I thought maybe they're now going to let some men be in the women's role. I have no <laughs> idea why. Anyway, Ric Flair's music came on. And then, of course, he was there just to introduce Lacey Evans. Uh, old man, I'm going to come to you in just a second to ask you about all the Lacey Evans stuff, because I know that you've got some thoughts on this one. Charlotte and uh, Lacey Evans have a little bit of a fight on the outside for a, a few minutes. Then Charlotte eliminates Peyton Royce after they get back in the ring. And Baszler eliminates Tori Wilson. So Tori Wilson's only around for a few moments. Uh, old man, let's, uh, let's talk about Lacey Evans, Ric Flair and Charlotte. So I have a bit like you guys. I've no idea what's going on, why this is even happening. But for some reason, I was very invested in it in my brain. So I was sat there watching, I was thinking, so Lacey, as I think you touched upon earlier, thinking Lacey Evans is basically taking the big show role. She's turning face and heel left, right and centre. One of her characters, either last year or the year before, was that she's a real family woman. Real good old, like... Yeah. Yeah, really good. So she's now hanging around with notorious sex machine, Ric Flair. So she's hanging around with Ric Flair. So the, the insinuation is that there's probably something going on between them more than a relationship on a professional basis. But that aside, doesn't make any sense. Ric Flair has been in Charlotte's Corner... All of her career, it's it's her dad. Why he's decided to go this way is mystifying to me. And worst of all, Charlotte Flair is not a sympathetic face. And this is not going to garner her any sympathy. And worst of all is that they have the little bit outside the ring and then nothing. There's nothing. They're both just in the rumble. It's like, like, neither of these women win the Rumble. And there's a little bit with Charlotte that I'll come to towards the end as well. I, I feel like one of those psychopaths ranting on the internet about <laughs> the winner of the Men's Royal Rumble. But I could not fathom. I can completely understand illogical, like, storylines and stuff like that if it's getting you somewhere. I just don't know where this goes. Yeah, I think it's I weird as well, because Charlotte is the... Other than Lynch, she is the star of the women's roster. I, you know, I know, yeah, don't get me wrong, I'm sure there'll be people who are saying this person is the star, that person is the star. Charlotte Flair is the person they like to, WWE, like to put out in front of the cameras on talk shows and goodness knows what else because she looks larger than life, you know, and she's Ric Flair's daughter. And so she's got that instant credibility and she is also excellent at what she does. So it feels reckless for WWE to treat her in that way, to put her in a storyline where you're right, she can't win because she isn't a sympathetic person. In fact, she's bigger than the vast majority of the rest of the roster and she's bigger than Lacey Evans. So it doesn't, it just doesn't, for me, it just doesn't really work. And I agree with you on that respect. Tom, your thoughts? The, the thing that got got me about it is I couldn't work out based on what the commentators were saying and obviously based on the lack, you know, the, 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 the fake crowd noises, I couldn't figure out who was the baby face and who the heel was in it? Because they kept on saying about how Charlotte kept telling Rick that he was old and washed up and past it and not of use to her anymore, which to me is not an, a, a baby face trope. In my opinion, it was really strange because I kind of got that. One thing I will say, actually, it's good to see Rick Flair back in a proper suit <laughs> rather than the rather than the suits and the polo shirts. It's good to see him in a tie in waistcoat it was, it was that was good to see but like i just didn't i couldn't understand who was the movie so they didn't do a good job in kind of telling that yeah story. but i think the problem you had is not that they didn't try and tell a good story it's that you didn't know who the hill commentator was 
And that's because Jerry Lawler has never has not been positioned as a heel commentator for a very long time. And yet I think in this storyline, he was portraying the heel commentator. So the other two commentators were trying to say to Jerry Lawler, you know, trying to make the case for Charlotte. And Lawler was making the case for Flair. But the problem was put Heenan in that role and, you know, Heenan's a heel. You know who to cheer for and who not to. But the problem is, is that's not been well defined at all, especially as Lawler is a guest commentator on this who is a legend you know quote unquote and therefore he should be theoretically the baby face so i think that's why they didn't tell a good story is because the role of the commentators weren't well defined not that they didn't actually try and tell that story should be clearer than this also it seems clear that they're probably going to going towards a match at wrestlemania they've got two and a half months of tv (laughs) to fill with what i assume will be this same thing Going over and over again. Also, at the same point as Tori Wilson got eliminated, Bailey was eliminated. Yes. Yes. And and yeah. to know, to considering that how I feel like she had a very good rumble, I, I mm-hmm. enjoyed every, a lot of stuff that Bailey did in it. I felt like they missed the trick then by having that happen at the exact same time. Maybe there was a fuck up or something, but and then it was only con- confirmed on a kind of on, on a replay that that you were able to see which you got limited and i feel like it should have been a bigger deal than it was that's right because number 19 was mickey james and then after she had come out we got the replay confirming that bailey had been eliminated by bianca belair and i've written it, it was very poor that they missed it when it happened i mean this is bailey she's been she was the world champion for over a year the women's champion for over a year not long ago she was the number one entrant this is number 19 now coming out so she's been in the match for like nine on 40 minutes they should not have missed that elimination. That was very poor from WWE, just production-wise, really bad. Uh, number 20 was Nikki Cross, who was last year involved uh, in a tag team with Alexa Bliss. And I think she's kind of come off um, as the one who's lost out since Alexa Bliss's turn um, since then, based solely on how she was presented in this match. Um, nothing much happened after she came out. And then at number 21, we had Alicia Fox, who I think was the other legend you were probably referring to earlier on. Is that right? Another WWE legend, Alicia Fox, comes down. Uh, okay. I th- again, I, I just think that that is more a reflection of the fact that to be a wrestler in the WWE women's division prior to the moment we're in now, or the times we're in now, was impressive in itself. And, and um, that's why they kind of give them that moniker. I think that's very generous. For Alicia Fox, maybe, maybe. I think you could call you could call you could call Jacqueline a legend. You could call China. Uh, she ain't gonna come to the Rumble. Um, Trish. Um, <laughs> not now, definitely. No, Trish, Lita. Um, you know any number, any number of like Victoria. You could go. You could go with Molly Holly. I think you could even. There's a couple of others that you could probably call a legend. I, I want eh, Alicia Fox. Mm. Is that more a reflection of when you were watching though, as opposed to? Anything else? Absolutely, probably. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, after Alicia Fox comes out, our truth also <laughs> comes out um, and realizes that he's actually come out to the wrong Royal Rumble, although he wasn't an entrant into the other Rumble. So why he came down at all, I don't know. Yeah, he comes down because he's being chased. He's being chased by jobbers. But yeah. he says, "Sorry, wrong Rumble." He actually says it to Alicia Fox. He says, "Sorry, uh, wrong Rumble." And he's followed oh, down, as you said, he's been chased by a bunch of uh, a bunch of jobbers. Um, they Alicia Fox and our truth kind of get rid of those people. But then Alicia Fox schoolboys truth from behind to win the 24 seven title that our truth 
holds. Now, this one, I think, might split the crowd. Old man, let's start with you. Well, I was just about to say that you are in trouble for referring to them as jobbers. Because one of the people chasing him is a gentleman called Drew Gulak, who is a proper proper darling of wrestling fans. And he's, to be honest, I've seen him have two matches. They were quite decent. But he's kind of just like lumped in to doing nothing. So I'm the, fact pretty... that you, the fact that you've referred to him, you, Ben Tinky Spindler, referred to him <laughs> as a jobber. You need to take all the heat for this. I'm go- I'll take the heat. I believe I, I'm I'm not absolutely definitely certain, but I believe that I've seen Drew Gulak wrestle live in Bristol in No West. I'm well, which certain. says how good he is. <laughs> I'm <laughs> absolutely certain I have seen him in in wrestling No West. It, I think it was him anyway. But and he might be a really great wrestler. You know, don't get me wrong, he might be. Ultimately, I would call anyone a jobber who is portrayed in this way. And that was as a jobber, quite frankly, Uh, you know, when he wasn't even named, you know, he wasn't even he wasn't even able to to catch our truth to pin him for what is quite clearly a joke title. Um, He's a jobber, regardless of how good he is. He's a jobber. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you, Tiki. Fuck Drew Gulak. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, like, I don't. I don't. I, I said so I don't have a, a clue who he is. Um, and but like I don't have a clue who almost anyone is. I think I saw Kalisto in there as well. Might have yeah. been there as well. They, yeah, he was chased by jobbers. I'll be honest. For a bit of silliness, I quite enjoy a 24/7 title, and I'm all up for Arf Truth doing that. Because he is, let's be honest, our truth is is never going to be anything in WWE. He's far past it. Um, but he's still quite entertaining because he's very charismatic and he's evidently quite a funny bloke. So having him like defending this ridiculous title for like the last year or two or however, however long it's been, I'm more than happy for anything to happen to this title because it's a silly concept in the first place. And the more sillier the circumstances surrounding that title, the better for me. Definitely. I like this. I thought this was fun, but I felt like it should have been saved for the men's rumble because there's a potential again. If you're talking about the perception of which one is being treated the best or the most important, you wouldn't do this during the one that was important or there's a feeling you wouldn't do. And also it's men like and I think it would I think it would have been okay had you not done Santina Morella last year. And I thought that was a mistake by WWE to do the Santina Morella thing because it was all it did is reflect badly on what w, how WWE treated the women in the past. Um, harking back to WrestleMania 25, when in the one match that the women had, Santina Morella won it. It's also arguably transphobic as well, the Santina Morella um, gimmick. So this happening here, I thought was just, I just thought it was a bit of a mistake. Having said that, I did enjoy it. I just thought it was the wrong time, the wrong place for this bit of the show especially when later on our truth loses the belt to bloody pete rosenberg and as amidst another bit of jokiness i just thought get this out of the women's rumble it doesn't need to be part of that 22 into the ring was mandy rose um and she came in and eliminated alicia fox quite soon after uh fox had won the 24 7 title and then our truth uh snuck up behind alicia fox and won back the 24 7 title um mandy rose this was another instance where i felt like this is a person who has for whatever reason since i last watched wwe has obviously been split away from otis um and that was one of the most positive and um, fun and entertaining parts of WrestleMania, I thought, last year was Mandy Rose and Otis and what was going on with those guys. And clearly, given where 
what happened to her in this match and the way she was portrayed and presented and the way Otis was presented in the men's rumble. I was thinking what, who has benefited from them no longer being a storyline or being together. It just didn't, it felt quite disappointing to me. I think when we watched WrestleMania, not together, but online last year, I think I think it was you said this, thinking that they had their moment when I think Otis beat Dolph Ziggler, and then they have their moment, but there's no crowd. And I think the reality is, is that without a crowd, it's just, let's be honest, this is why they're doing this story. It's just an incredibly attractive woman with a not very pleasing on the eye guy (laughs) in a relationship. I think without a crowd, it doesn't really work. And also, I think that Mandy Rose, my understanding is, is that her angle was somewhat derailed by Sonia Deville having to take some time off yeah. because of her personal issues. Right. And uh, yeah, and I, my understanding is, is that, that because they rushed into a payoff match between the two of them because Sonia Deville was having to take the time off. And I think she's not really recovered from that. She does have heel hair now, though. I noticed she's she she's cut her hair short. I said, well, surely she's a heel. But next up was 23 Dakota Kai. Um, so she uh, after that after she came out, uh, Lacey Evans eliminated Mickey James with a kick. Uh, Dakota Kai is another one of the NXT still to, NXT wrestlers still to graduate to the main roster. Uh, any thoughts on anything there? No. <laughs> yeah, no. Unfortunately, I wish I could give Dakota Kai some credit, but that's I fine. I thought she was someone else, and then when she appeared, I was like, "That's not Dakota Kai." And then I realised that WWE have probably got it right, and I've probably got it wrong. <laughs> um, number twenty-four was Carmella, so she was doing double duty. Um, after she came out, Dakota Kai was thrown out by Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley also then eliminated Mandy Rose, and Nikki Cross was kicked out by Carmella. Things then took uh, an interesting turn when 25 was Tamina. Carmella was eliminated after Tamina took out Reginald. So Reginald didn't have quite so much fun second time uh, to the ring. Naomi was knocked out but kept her feet in the air for perhaps one of the more convoluted um, sort of uh, special not being eliminated but be kind of being thrown out bits that we've seen that's been the specialty of Kingston and uh, John Morrison in the past there was a great exchange though then after that between Naomi and Belair I thought to, in order for them both yeah. to get back into the ring uh, where both of them were hanging from the bottom ropes by their feet so I thought Naomi was really good in this rumble yeah. I thought she was really good I think they they however kind of plotted out they picked her spots really well because she is an extraordinary athlete the some of the stuff that she can she can do and stuff that she can do looks agonizing like she genuinely like falls from a large height and lands in the splits and just the thought of me attempting to do that <laughs> is oh my god it's just it would just be a pool of broken legs and shattered bollocks <laughs> if i tried to do it because some <laughs> of the stuff that she does is incredible um I was shattered bollocks. Quite... that's the move that gold dust used to do <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but i i'll be honest i thought she was really good in this round boy i i really really enjoyed um uh her performance um Naomi's performance I thought she was great um the bit that you talk about with her and uh, Rhea Ripley was really good when they're hanging out from the ring um don't really have much to say about Tamina to be honest that she could I think could potentially be really good especially if they kind of involved her in the storyline perhaps with like Reigns and the Uso 
Is it Jimmy or Jay that he's with? I can't remember. With the Uso. And that could be quite interesting because then they, she could be like the muscle for the women's side of things and dominate over there if they did a bit more with her. But they seem to not really be keen on doing that. No, I've always, always really liked Tamina. I'd imagine she's doing all right behind the scenes in some sort of role. But yeah, it just made me think, ah, you, you probably could have been someone, kid. It's a strange one because she has been around for a long time. She's been, it must be close to 10 years now that she's been on the on the WWE main roster. And they've never really done anything significant with her. And yet she's still there. And it feels like she's probably still there. It feels like there's some kind of personal reason she's still there. Like, I don't know, maybe mm-hmm. it feels like it's the kind of thing that Vince McMahon would feel loyal to, to keep her around maybe because of who she is. I don't know. 26 was Lana, um, who was actually featured quite well in this match. And I have I missed something with Lana? Is she now a competent in-ring performer? Because she hadn't been for a, for a number of years. So Lana's deal is that they were involved in a storyline with Nia Jax, where Nia Jax, for I think it's six weeks in a row, put her through the announce table. Right. And uh, it was supposed to be Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler against someone <laughs> ask her and i'm sure someone one of the listeners will correct me if i have got this wrong so apologies ask her and lana for the tag titles yeah and then unsurprisingly nia Jax managed to injure lana right. and lana had been out until she came back which made and having that knowledge made the way that she came down to the ring even more confusing because I think the commentator said she looks like she's in a trance. I thought she looked like she didn't know where she was. And it was very odd because I would have been, if I was her, I'd have been fuming. Absolutely fuming. I'd have been like, right, I'm having her. I know she's about, she's probably twice the size of her. But she also but wasn't it, in the ring by this point either. So that'd be another reason why she wasn't in that main. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Number yeah. 27, let's move Sorry. on quickly. Let's go back onto the Lana of it all. You can. I, I think you're right, Tinky. I, I had the exact same thought process as you. I was like, is she now an actual wrestler? Um, and I thought she seemed pretty decent in it. Um, but this is when I they were like, she's back. And I wrote, is that a good thing? Have we been waiting for her to come back? And it was at that point when I really noticed, I was like, I've got a fucking clues over at the moment. Because according yeah. to the comments, as they should be doing it, everyone is over. Yeah, but you can't. But, but you can't tell. It's true, but also I think go back to something like the Rumble Night Two or whatever, where you, if let's say you had someone come back into that match, I don't think that the commentators would have left you not knowing what they meant by saying she's come back. Or and 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 they I think they did touch upon it, but I don't know if they really made it very clear. And I think in the past this would have been something that they've gone, they'd have been very clear about. They said. Oh my God, she's back! This is the first time we've seen her in months, and the reason this happened was because she got hit by this and whatever else. That didn't really happen enough for me. Well, I also think the opportunity to maybe have her come back if Nia Jax, Nia Jax was in the ring would have made it much more impactful as well. Because yes. you're like, you know what I mean? So it's that they, they, I think they may have got the order wrong a little bit that one. I mean, it was so confusing that the only person out of the three of us who knew what had happened didn't realise that Nia Jax wasn't in the ring at the time. <laughs> and Number you know 20- what? If we hadn't done this podcast, 
to my dying day, I would have thought that as well. <laughs> Number 27 is Alexa Bliss. Now, she comes down. Um, everybody attacks her. Now, this is where I got a little bit confused at this point because she, I, I understand what I kind of know what's happened in the storyline with this, where Bliss is basically she was aligned with The Fiend, wasn't she, for a bit? Um, and then The Fiend got burned like alive as i understand by randy orton yeah. um and then she has subsequently thrown a fireball in randy orton's face i think is that right um yeah. so she's kind of become this sort of demonic person in the same way as bray wyatt perhaps you might argue was and so i think what was happening is she was about to metamorphose if that's the right word in metamorphosize that'll probably be it um into the demonic side of her character but then out of nowhere it was interrupted and uh, rhea ripley eliminated her by by interrupting this this trans this transfer (laughs) i'm not going to say try and say the other (laughs) word again um and so bliss was out but it did confuse me because there was something going on with the the um thunderdome as well like the some of the monitors seem to go out and then i thought well maybe yeah. that's part of this and i just got a bit confused yeah so it is part of it so when the fiend would make their appearance like panels of lights would go out right and then it would be like um let him in would come up and yeah basically everything that you've just said is 100 percent correct i was very confused by this even kind of knowing what had gone on because the way that they dealt with it was the only way they could deal with it because like, Alexis had to be thrown out quick. What I didn't understand, and this cause this isn't part of anything that I've read in the results, is why everybody beat her up. I don't understand why assumed... everybody jumped on her because her fiend-like persona hasn't resulted in her attacking any women. Yeah, I just wondered if they thought she was dangerous because of it, and that's why they yeah. did it. But if that's the case, then that wasn't sold by the commentary team. No, um, no. I I feel similar to how I feel about uh, Ted DiBiase at the Royal Rumble '92. I feel like that is a, a ridiculous waste of Alexa Bliss. Her getting eliminated mm-hmm. straight away. I haven't seen again. It's uh, many times I haven't seen much wrestling recently. Um, but when every time I ever see Alexa Bliss, I think she's brilliant. She's got the best facials in the biz. She can yeah. tell an entire story just by the facial expression she makes. Whether it be when she was in NXT with um, what were they called? The the, the there's an Australian bloke and she was in a tag uh, in a tag. Oh, team Murphy, Murphy and Blake yes. Murphy. Yeah, when she was with them, like you could like she would just like sneer and just make do you know what I mean like really disparaging facial expressions and and she comes down to the ring and she looks fucking demented. Like with mm. this, this ridiculous grin on her face, which looks really unsettling. Then she gets into the ring, gets like all beaten up, and then all of a sudden, her fa- like her face just turns like that. Like, and all of a sudden, you're like, oh, this is quite unsettling. And then she's eliminated. And it just seemed to me like a bit of a waste because she's one of the people that I think you can tell by what's going on, by what she does with her face. And I think it's a, it's a real shame that she was out of the rumble so quickly. That being said, she wasn't going to win it because you imagine she'll still probably be involved in a Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton storyline heading into WrestleMania. So she didn't need to win the rumble, but it's, it's a shame that she wasn't in it for a little bit longer, in my opinion. 
I don't have a real problem with it just because of the um, the amount of potential winners that were in the match. And I think she was one of them, but there were so many others that I thought well, you've not lost anything by not having her in there for a long time. And they are trying to protect her and they protected her by having her kind of be beaten up by everybody, essentially. So I thought it was fine. Um, 28 was Ember Moon. And then I uh, got no notes after that. So I'm going 29 Nia Jack. So this is where this is where Nia Jax came out, old man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she'd, been in the, she'd been in the ring for half an hour by this point, mate. Yeah, Tinky, <laughs> you've got it wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got a note on Ember Moon. She just wore a very cool mask. Yes, that, that was the, the note that I made. Because this is the first time I've seen her since she'd come back from her injury, which kept her out for absolutely ages. Well, I'm, I'm surprised that she's not yet on the main roster, but apparently she is still on NXT and she's been around for a while now, Ember Moon. So Ember Moon came up to the main roster, right? got, by all accounts, quite horrific injury. I've no idea what it was. But uh, yeah, and then it has come back into NXT. Right. Um, after Jax came down to the ring, um, she and Baszler kind of got together and uh, go to work on everybody. Um, we then started to see some uh, a number of eliminations. So Lacey Evans was eliminated by Baszler. Ember Moon was eliminated by Nia Jax. They both eliminated Naomi and they Ooh. both eliminated and they both eliminated Tamina. Um, Nia Jax then turned on Baszler and eliminated Baszler. Jax was then eliminated herself by Lana as Jax charged her. So once again, kind of bigging up the sense that maybe Lana's getting some kind of something from this whole feud or this storyline, and also um, that they seem to be wanting to feature her more as a wrestler again. I don't know. I was quite disappointed when Naomi got eliminated, if I'm being honest, based on what I've just said previously as well. Mm. I thought she had a really good run, but I wasn't necessarily expecting her to win it, but I thought she did a really good job. And uh, it was it was a, a testament to how much I, I got invested in this match. But I was genuinely disappointed when Naomi got eliminated, despite the fact that I didn't think she was going to win it. Also, just going back to Lacey Evans, eliminated by Shayna Baszler. Surely Charlotte's got to be involved. You'd have thought so. It just, just goes back to the absolute tripe that is that storyline. But I'm, I'm not going to go on my second rant. <laughs> well, you, you can't because I'm, I'm desperately trying to speed us up so we can get to the end of this match at the very least. And you guys keep slowing me down. <laughs> um, number 30 was Natalia. As she got into the ring, she was attacked by... No, in fact, Baszler and Jax were now out of the ring, of course. So they attacked Natalia before she could get to the ring. They then got back in the ring and attacked everybody else. Um Natalia finally made it into the ring and she had a hug with Lana only for Natalia to double cross Lana and throw her out. This, this left four people in the ring, Natalia, Charlotte, Bianca Bella and Rhea Ripley. Bianca Bella takes out Natalia from behind. And so we are now down to the final three. So we got Bella, Flair and Ripley in the yep. final, final three. And this is when it happens. And this is my bugbear of rumbles for the last 10 years. I hate the constant pointing to the to the WrestleMania sign. It I, does my head. It's so contrived and annoying and shit. It does my fucking head in. I, I can't stand it. And it, it, I am very aware that I'm being irrational now. And it annoys me far <laughs> more than it should. Because it's a momentary message. But I remember the first time it happened. I'm pretty sure it was... I think it might have been Cena like did it for the first time. I seem to remember that's the earliest memory I can have it. I might be wrong. But I come and be like, oh, that looks quite cool. And they obviously have thought the same thing. Like, we're going to do it to death every time. And it just really, really annoys me. I think the reason it annoys me is because it's so unnatural. Because they've obviously been told to do it. And it looks yeah. like they've been told to do it. It's so unnatural that it looks 
very awkward actually for lots of them when they do it if they posed on the so i'm jumping forward to to, to winning now but like if you posed and you're looking one way and the signs in the background then that would be so much better because it wouldn't look so forced even they could they could say to everyone listen when you win the rumble you get on that turnbuckle and look towards the camera look triumphant with the wrestlemania sign in the background it would look so much less contrived yeah fair enough fair enough um shall i power on to the end and then we can talk about the our thoughts of the match as a whole <laughs> no um, i want to i want to talk about the um you know the side more <laughs> for being <honest. laughs> uh, you can do in your wrap-up if you want tom um so then Charlotte was eliminated by both Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair. We then had a good exchange between those two, which finished with a double collision as they pulled each other's hair, kind of spun round. I don't know what you would call that, to be perfectly honest. I guess a double face plant or face buster or something. Belair then clotheslined Ripley out of the ring for the win. Belair wins. Our followers on Twitter were correct. They predicted Bianca Belair to win the Royal Rumble. So let's, I guess, let's, first of all, any thoughts about the end of the match? I thought the last like two or three minutes, however long it was, with um, Bianca Blair, uh, Bianca Belair, and uh, Rhea Ripley, I thought were fantastic. They, I got completely drawn into it. There was a real feeling of tension and peril throughout the last couple of minutes. The bit when they both ended up over the top rope and hanging, and then had both of them had a moment of like, hang on, wait, let's not let's not fuck around it, let's not panic. Let's both get back in the ring. And they both did it and then kind of like got back and, and calmed down and then went back into it. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I thought that the end to that the rumble, with bear in mind, two, an hour before, two people I had no investment in at all. I all of a sudden felt incredibly tense whilst watching it. And I, I wanted Bianca Belair to win as well and by this point because she'd done enough in the rumble to really impress me. Although so had Rhea Ripley, to be fair. Um, uh, but I was really glad that Bianca Belair won. And I thought I thought the ending was done brilliantly. And the promo that she did at the end felt so genuine. It felt like a, a, a 100% a real reaction. And I just thought the last... I thought the entire Rumble was great. I thought it was really, really good. But especially that, that last three, four minutes was absolutely fantastic. And that's the reason why I can't let go. That's the reason why I haven't stopped wrestling entirely, despite the fact that I don't tend to watch that much anymore. It's because of moments like that that keep me still invested. Just when you thought you were out, they pulled you back (laughs) in. Exactly, exactly. I'm like fucking Michael Corleone. In more ways than one. Oh, man, your thoughts. Tom has done a magnificent job of summing up how I felt. I watched the WWE Chronicle documentary with Bianca Belair. So... She is uh, married to Montez Ford, who is one of the Street Profits, who were, uh, I've just realised, not actually in the uh, Royal Rumble or anything. No, they weren't. But she, uh, yeah, like talks about a lot of struggles and a suicide attempt and stuff like that. So I was a bit like Tom. I was quite invested in her winning as well. The one thing, and I, I don't know whether to bring this up, but when Charlotte Flair gets thrown out she sits on the floor and she looks up at the two women and she laughs and i hated it because it made such little sense to me that you've just spent 
I don't know how long she was in there, half hour, fighting to try and get a victory in the Royal Rumble to get a title match. Why would you then laugh when you get thrown out? It just made no sense. And it almost ruined the end for me. But as Tom said, the two, three or four minutes, whatever it is after that, is so good. I couldn't give a shit about Charlotte Flair. I wasn't quite as high on this match as you two were. I thought it was a very good rumble. I thought it was very good. I didn't think it was a great rumble, but it was very good. The better of the two, in in my mind, without doubt. Just the sheer numbers of potential winners. The the just as I said earlier on, the variety of characters, and the variety. Yeah, the the fact that I feel like the, the the women's roster feels like much closer to the to the overall roster did in the 90s. You can feel like there's lots of depth, defined, clear quite simple but clear characters and you know they are as soon as they come out and you either identify with them or you don't or whatever you like them you dislike them i didn't think it was quite as good as you guys thought but i did did enjoy it and um bianca belair this has been coming they've clearly they're clearly very high on on bianca belair she was the star i thought of last year's women's royal rumble she was number two i think and she lasted half the match um in fact probably a bit more than half the match and she was excellent then as well um and so it feels like this has been coming as well bianca bella winning this one they they're not always very good at this wwe but they waited they've been patient with waiting on in this case bianca bella to be ready the same as i know they kind of stumbled into it but the same as they did with becky lynch as well yeah. Where they, they just kind of hold off and people are kind of quietly gagging for it. And then when they give it to you, you know why they waited. I reckon Bianca Belair could probably put on a heck of a match with one of us. <laughs> I think yeah. probably all three of us at once. Well, I'm definitely I'm going to be um, going back through the archives on the old WWE Network to check out a couple of a couple of matches because I was very impressed and I'm very glad she won it. And also, do you know what is I found out uh, yesterday as well that my boss stayed up to watch it. Wow, the really? Rumble. Yeah, and I was and she was like, yeah, I'm really glad Bianca Belair won. So shout out to my boss, Addie Murphy. <laughs> um, she was like, so she showed more dedication than any of us. <laughs> don't tell the listeners that so at that point i think we're just going to take a very quick break and uh, we'll come back with the rest of the show in just a moment bianca what an incredibly successful year you are having after everything you've already accomplished you came out here tonight you entered the women's royal rumble match at number three and you won the whole thing and you are going to wrestle mania Bianca, can you even put into words what this means to you? Hello, I won. I've been telling everybody that I'm the strongest and I'm the bestest. I'm the roughest, I'm the toughest, I'm the cookies, the greatest, I'm the best. But tonight, I showed everybody. And after everything, I won the women's Royal Rumble. <laughs> All I can say is, Mama and Daddy, my husband Tess, I did it. Now I'm going to put ESD in WrestleMania. 
Okay, welcome back once again. So um, that's the rumble, the first rumble done. We've still got a whole rumble to go yet. So um, strap yourselves in. Now, before we do that, we had Miz and John Morrison backstage. I guess they're back together again, which I hadn't realised. And they speak to Bad Bunny and offer him some kind of uh, deal to collaborate in some way. Bad Bunny turned them down and uh, they started then bad mouthing Booker T, suggesting that they sh- that, he, that Bad Bunny should want to team up with them as opposed to uh, Booker T. One thing I didn't mention actually on about the Bad Bunny performance is that Michael Cole made a, uh, a kind of sly dig at Booker T, su- suggesting that he was wearing his G.I. Bro outfit, which mm. might mm. have been lost on some people because it was a it's a relatively niche reference, I would suggest. And then Booker T appeared just as the Miz was bad mouthing him and... Uh, I think I don't think anything came of that. They just they just stopped. <laughs> it just ended the little backstage bit. Any thoughts on this one? Well, I liked it. He was like, "Did you did you tell me you didn't say that?" That's, That's right. Yeah, say, yeah. Yeah. And then I liked the fact that John Morrison just like he went, "You did." Um, then we had a bit of the wwe panel the kickoff panel which i'm going to say this now i think the wwe kickoff panel is the most pointless fucking thing that wwe has ever put in place they don't say anything of value whatsoever um it is completely pointless this is what effectively i think replaces all the bloody backstage segments with the interviews that we love so much um they've just got to bum off it's absolutely terrible anyway as part of this, our truth appeared again, as he does. I don't I don't really know what he was doing. He just decided to come and join them at the kickoff panel. Um, Pete Rosenberg then managed to convince our truth that John Cedar was just over there, just just out of camera shot. Um, and as our truth went to look and see where to go and say hello to Cena, Rosenberg rolled him up from behind, pinned him to win the 24 seven title and ran away with our truth. Uh, vowing to get his um, revenge. Tom, your thoughts on this one? So I'm going to put this out there first of all. I'm a fan of Peter Rosenberg. Um, I listen to his uh, radio show, um, Hot 97 in New York. It's a hip hop radio station. I've been listening to him, you know, for, you know, years I've been listening to him. Um, And uh, my favourite thing about it was the very suspect pin that he did on our truth (laughs) It looked like he was about to mount a missionary style, which was quite... Quite disturbing. But my favourite bit is after he won the title, he did a little jump, which I think, let's be honest, all of us would in that situation. Because he was obviously yeah. so excited and over the moon. And he yelled, Bear, I'm bringing it back. And Bear is his dog. So that was quite <laughs> nice. Nice that he gave a shout out to his dog and ran off. The one thing, I, I and I really liked it because I said, I'm a big fan of Peter Rosenberg. The one thing I wasn't a fan of, though, is by saying John Cena's backstage immediately meant that John Cena weren't going to be in the Rumble. I don't know. I thought it might have been a double bluff, and I wasn't. I was, didn't feel that way. I thought, actually, the fact that they've exposed it for being a ruse might be just another way of them hiding the fact that he is there. No, see, for me, it just it killed it. I was like, oh, Cena's not in it then. <laughs> because I recently watched the 2000, the one that he comes back in, Madison Square Garden, oh, yeah. and it's magnificent. Now, I know it wouldn't be the same. That was the only thing. I really enjoyed it. Anyone else? Yeah. I liked it. I enjoyed JBL's face after <laughs> Rosenberg wins it because I'm guessing that they're reasonably good mates. I'm guessing they get on quite well. And also, just as they cut back to the commentators, Corey Graves says, David Arquette is officially off the hook, <laughs> which I thought was a lovely callback to bloody how was it? 1998 WCW. Yeah, but- it would have been, yeah, 2000, I think. Um, yeah, which is almost, hang on, 
that's almost as far back as before Eddie Guerrero passed away. Yeah. That's what I was saying about the GI Bro reference as well. It's just yeah. so, such a long time ago that to make these references. And I know, as I say, the collective memory is longer because of all the footage there is. But do you really believe that you know, any 15 year olds watching this show were like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. You've got to be joking. No, no chance. Um, <laughs> moving on. So <laughs> no chance. Fuck off. Next. <laughs> Next up was the universal title match between Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens, a last man standing contest. Um, and I have lost my little thing, which tells me how long they took in the match. So this was a 20, nearly, nearly 25 minute match. Um, all kinds of things went on. Um, I'm just quickly deciding whether or not to go through it all. So they fight, they fight up into the Thunder uh, Thunderdome using the Thunderdome itself as a weapon as well as some steel chairs. Reigns then throws Owens off a big stage um, through some tables. They then battled out to the back where Reigns ran over Owens with a golf cart, which was a kind of was was interesting. We've seen two uh, vehicular attempts at homicide in about four shows on this on this podcast following sold out a couple of weeks ago owens then interestingly hit reigns with a clipboard which i felt the need to know <laughs> yeah that's, that's in my notes um owens did a pop-up powerbomb on reigns on a table and then splashes reigns afterwards from a relatively high height then owens did a swanton bomb on reigns off of a forklift reigns recovered managed to recover from that and later on hit a superman punch to get himself back into the match and there then speared owens through the led boards which made up part of the entranceway so after that the reigns brings out some uh some handcuffs because he can't seem to keep owens down um but owens managed to get hold of the handcuffs and he handcuffs reigns to the stanchion part of the um the entranceway which i thought looked quite dangerous because if they pulled too hard on it and the whole thing might have come down on them reigns then load blows owen uh, owens um to prevent any more um offense from owens and in the meantime um reigns managed to to avoid being counted down by knocking out the referee by pulling the referee into the uh, a bar was it the uh, titan tron i think it may have been the bottom bit of the titan tron then there was the second uh, problem with a with a piece of equipment I was talking about earlier on, where Heyman just simply couldn't get the handcuffs off of uh, off of uh, Reigns, even though he had the key. It took him way longer than it should have done. And by this point, a second referee had come down and had to pause his count at number six for a very long time. Um, eventually, however, they did manage to get him free, um, and Reigns trapped Owens in a guillotine choke for the victory. Oh man, let's start with you. Your thoughts on the match? I thought, I thought, shit. They start off very hot. They do their finishes on one another, no sell them pretty much, which is kind of like, kind of understands is where they start of the match. Then they do all of the high spot stuff, and then there's obviously the nonsense with the um with the handcuffs, and then they end it on a guillotine choke. I understand you can enter a 10 count if you're choked out. I completely understand that. But given everything that had gone before it, I was a bit like, really? Mm. Like it just felt because of what had happened with the handcuffs. I do. It did occur to me that maybe that wasn't meant to be the finish, but they had to because of time. But given that it's shown on the network, I don't think that's really a concern for them. I just found it. I found the first 10 minutes good and then it kind of felt like well they'd gone 
when he hits the swanton bomb off the forklift, I thought they can't really go any higher than this. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know where it was going to go. And then I got bored, to be honest. <laughs> so I actually really enjoyed this match. So, I, I, But the thing is, that I'm very aware of is it there's a chance on man maybe you're going through roman reigns versus kevin owens fatigue because you've seen them wrestle a few times because they've had, had raw fought on a couple of pay-per-views haven't they recently uh i think this is their second one uh, their first one was very good so it's still a bit of a novelty for me because i haven't seen roman reigns as a heel yet so i haven't seen him as this tribal chief thing so I and head of the table or whatever it is, he says. Um, so I really like that. The thing that confused me a little bit it was how much of an important role, apparently, in the build up. Someone called Adam Pierce has. And he sounds yes. like a left back for Leighton Orient. Or something <laughs> like, that. like I don't know who the fuck he is. I've made a couple of notes, kind of like generic notes throughout before I get into the match. One, I'm really glad that Roman Reigns isn't in his shield garb anymore. That he's not mm-hmm. wearing like the, the bullet, the flak jacket sort of thing. Because I think that was too much of like a throwback to the shield. Um, when it comes to the spots, yeah, the fight for the crowd was fun. When he got hit by uh, Kevin Owens, got hit by the golf cart. I thought that was done really, really well because you didn't see any build up. He just got up and then all of a sudden just got taken out by the golf cart. And I thought it looked really cool and really realistic. Um, the clipboard bit I've got as a note <laughs> because I thought that was quite <laughs> funny. He's literally reaching for anything. There is a money in the bank briefcase farther down the table. We could have grabbed that. I don't know if anybody <laughs> spotted that, Didn't but that was that. just hanging around backstage. Um, but he grabbed the clipboard. The um, what I found is he he kind of yeah he, Owens came back as you said Tinky did the splash splashed rain to the table and then threw him into a standing ladder which I don't know how that could possibly hurt yeah. in real life because it's just a standing ladder to run into the Swanton off the forklift was great I really liked that spot I thought that was really good um, the spear through the stage sign we've seen so many times before it didn't affect me but i thought it was really clever how kevin owens rolled off of the side onto the platform at yeah. the nine count because it got to nine and i was like hello that's the end of the match then and then he rolled off kevin owens then burnt his arm on a light yeah. <laughs> which was which was pretty not funny but and then the bit at the end i'm i'm on board with you i enjoyed everything up to the end the the, the handcuff thing would have been good had it not been for the obvious fuck up and then the win after the choke, I couldn't figure out if it was winning after a choke was anticlimactic or because it's a last man standing match, which, in my opinion, are always really anticlimactic anyway, because uh, something happens and then you've got to wait for 10 seconds to get the eventual outcome. And I just thought that they could, it would have been better if they both went down by something and then Roman Reigns got up. Do you I, know what I mean rather than that? I'm in agree with you I don't think you can make a last man standing match have a dramatic ending or at least it's much much harder to do it um and I don't like last man standing matches I really don't like them I don't like it because of what you've just said about the fact that it takes 10 seconds to find out whether someone's won or not and it feels relatively predictable as well the end always feels like oh that's going to be the end it just it just it's not instantaneous enough Having said all that, I really enjoyed this match as well. I thought it was very, very good. I really enjoyed it. And I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. I really going into it was like, I'm not going to enjoy this very much because I I really like that Reigns a bad guy. I think it's exactly what he should be a heel. There's no doubt about that in my mind. And he should have been a heel for the last three or four or five years. But I still don't particularly find his matches 
overly exciting. Kevin Owens, I've never been as high on Kevin Owens as lots of people are. But for me, they went well beyond what I expected them to do. And I thought it was an excellent match. I thought it was the fact that the crowd weren't there, I think, improved this because you could hear them talking to one another. And they told a story through the match about the way they were, you know, what they were doing and trash talking to one another. And it, it worked really well, I thought. The fact that they went out into the backstage where they had a separate warm up ring set up. The only thing I thought was missing is they should have done some wrestling in that ring. You know, just two or three minutes of just back and forth. Mm. Um, really like the Swanton bomb. Really like the other um, bump that Owens took earlier in the match. I thought the the the, uh, the spear through the LED boards was quite cool. And I thought that the ending, I thought the guillotine choke thing was fine. I, I was happy with the guillotine choke. Like it, it, it you know, I, as I said, I don't think there's a way to do this in a really dramatic way unless you go one step further, as you were talking about, old man than you've already done so unless you're going to do that i have no problem with this ending um but yeah the the only the only thing for me that did sully it a little bit was the just the mistake with the with the handcuffs which i just felt would could have been remedied if if Heyman was really thinking on his feet he could have got to the point where he can't unlock it the referee's counting he could have got, just got up and hit the referee and knocked him down called an audible and then gone back to the the handcuffs just to, to clear that up because then that would have been that would have I mean, it still would have lasted longer than it should have done, but it wouldn't have looked quite so awkward when the referee stood there and has to stop counting. Yeah. But I just thought it was, I just thought it was a really, really good match. I was really surprised by how good I, how much I enjoyed it. And um, yeah, that was my take on it. I was surprised, old man, that he didn't like it. Mm. No, I was, I was disappointed. I think when Owens gets thrown from the Thunderdome, that bump is horrible. Like mm. absolutely horrible. And I, I didn't when that happened. I didn't really know where they were going to be able to go with it. I think there's a better match in it, but I don't think we'll get to see it. Excellent. Okay, let's move on to the Royal Rumble. Uh, and we started with um, interestingly enough before the show, I saw on Twitter that WWE had announced the Edge. They announced Edge's number for the Royal Rumble, which I which kind of gave me some um, throwbacks to uh, Ric Flair telling everyone that he was going to be number three in the 92 Rumble. But the thing is that they said that Edge would be number two. He ended up being number one, which was interesting uh, here. They obviously got some kind of communication wrong. Randy Orton's number two. Um, So it's a rated RKO fight. Uh, again, and obviously continues into the from what I gather was the storyline that ended up with Edge getting his shoulder tricep torn or something like that. Shoulder tricep, that's not a thing. His shoulder <laughs> or tricep torn, I don't know what it was. Um, so it kind of makes sense. I feel like he did that the wrong way around, though. I feel like Edge should have been number two. Now, again, I think if you're doing it in an arena full of people, you definitely have Edge as number two because you'd have Randy Orton coming out first, and then Edge for the pop, and then he could come down with all fire and stuff like that. But I just felt it was a bit odd that Randy Orton was number two and Edge was number one. And it also seems doubly now that I didn't notice that at the time that he said he was going to be number two. But I thought that was very, I thought that should have been the case. And it seems very odd now that that was announced to be the case and then wasn't. He didn't say it on the show. It was just WWE on Twitter announced that he would be number two. This was about four hours before the show had started. So it was quite a long Mm. time before the show had started. I agree with you, though. I think think it probably would have been, if they had a crowd, it would have been the other way around. But I, I just don't understand why you would. I guess the reason you might announce the number is maybe just to get, I don't as crazy as this might sound, maybe some last minute WWE Network subscriptions. I don't know. That's the only thing I can imagine that they would have done that for. 
Um, as you said, Randy Orton was number two, and the match started outside the ring uh, as they make as they sort of went back and forth into the ring and then back out. And then number three was Sami Zayn, uh, who snuck in and uh, took out Edge after kind of allowing the two of them to fight each other for a bit. And then Zayn lets Orton beat down on Edge again, which kind of Orton was happy with, and so they kind of formed a bit of an alliance. I thought this was uh, pretty good from pretty good stuff here from Sami Zayn. It's just great work just great cowardly heel work and i thought that continued with entrant number four it was mustafa ali he came out and and kind of looked at the three guys who were in the ring at the time and then made the mental decision to go after edge as well because he didn't want to get uh he didn't want to get on the bad side of orton and zane zane so i thought that was a quite a clever little bit as well um after mm. ali came into the match it's not this isn't going to be the correct time when the podcast is done so there'll be a little bit of editing i would imagine but we've gone two hours and 48 minutes without talking about anybody's hair yet. <laughs> Mustafa Ali's hair is just magnificent. And also his garb, his garb, his get up. If Seth Rollins nailed a Power Ranger, that is what <laughs> Mustafa, Ali, that Mustafa Ali would be the, the offspring of that. Bear in mind, we're talking about wrestling. A truly ridiculous look for 2021. He looks absolutely ridiculous. I've seen a, an image, uh, a, a graphic of some kind on Twitter not long ago of a kind of almost a family tree of wrestlers. And it's got, I think, Seth Rollins mixed with someone else is Mustafa Ali. And Mustafa Ali mixed with someone else is someone else. And there are about 15 or 20 wrestlers all currently on WWE's roster. And they're all men with with beards and and long hair effectively <laughs> and 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 it genuinely does look like they're all love childs of each children of each other it's ridiculous but why does why does everyone wear black these days yeah that's a, that's been weird. a big bugbear for me for a, a number of years there's too many people wearing black there's not enough color in in people's clothes and stuff it's it's really disappointing uh number five was jeff hardy now this was an interesting uh or at least this was notable for the fact that there had been some rumours swirling around social media the day of the Rumble that Christian was going to make a comeback in this match. Ah, yeah. Um, and Mustafa Ali, Randy Orton and Sami Zayn were obviously teaming up on Edge. They were looking like they were about to eliminate Edge just as the as, as the 10 count um, finished and the fifth entrant came out. And I thought this was quite a clever fake out that it wasn't Christian and instead it was Jeff Hardy, someone who also had had a fair amount of history with Edge and came out and prevented Edge from being eliminated. Um, after after Jeff Hardy came out, um, Randy Orton dished out a load of um, RKOs, one to Jeff, one to Sami Zayn, one to um, Mustafa Ali, and then Edge speared Orton, uh, after which Orton cleverly rolled out under the bottom rope, Edge chased him, and then Edge DDT'd Orton on a on one of the announcer tables. Any thoughts on this lot? Randy Orton, I've never read well for for the last ten years I think I've never been a big fan of. I've always thought that the only thing that kept him relevant was the RKO. Um now I'm probably gonna get a bit of a kick in now because I from from what I've heard that for the last six months Randy Orton's been actually amazing. Um but I haven't seen any of it. So my note here was Randy Orton hits RKOs on everyone. He's been relying on that to keep him relevant for years. <laughs> but I do, from what I gather, I'm very wrong in that so in that um, opinion of Randy Orton. I mean, what I've seen, and it's only pay-per-view matches that I've seen, he is incredible. It's like he's all of a sudden realised that he's actually quite good. 
and he's gone oh actually I, i'm not going to be able to do this forever am i i should probably like make an effort um obviously with the uh ddt on the table comes the knee injury mm. that he yeah. sells like uh well if it wasn't for the commentators i may have been in two minds as to whether it was a legitimate injury because he does a great job selling because he looks annoyed he's not selling the injury he looks like he's just annoyed because he knows he's really hurt himself and then the referees come down and they kind of like pander to him and the commentators then won't shut up about it just won't shut up about it they just ruin it i I agree because i wrote at one point is or legitimately hurt because he Mm. does look like it and and it's you're right it's the understated selling of it that works Mm. and then all of a sudden yeah everything else goes you know overboard as you would expect but i will say that after this i was i didn't think of randy orton again i did i did yeah i did as well yeah the thing with orton i tend to err towards what old man says is i just think he's been super unmotivated for a very long time i think randy orton can be very good if he's motivated he just has really struggled for motivation for a long time part of that i think is his presentation i think he's been putting so many like forgettable pointless feuds over the last as much as 10 years possibly even more um i mean don't forget they did so much with him so early in his career as well that he's now they almost got to a point where they didn't know what else to do with him um and i just think that a long time ago everyone should have resolved to sit him down and say let's let's just have you part time let's just have you come back two or three times a year we'll give you a you, you know we'll give you lots of input into what you're going to do build you up for a big match at wrestlemania build you up for a big match at uh, SummerSlam, build you up for a big match at royal rumble and that's it that's what we'll do with you from now on and if they'd have done that a long time ago i think we'd have seen a lot more quality but we just we just haven't i agree with you tom he's not been very good for a very long time it tends to go, or he has tended to go, shall I say, in like a cycle of where he's been, he's he's turned heel, done really well, and then became over because of the RKO move, which then turns in babyface, and where he's just nothing, then eventually he turns heel again, and then the same thing repeats and repeats and repeats, and that's what happened for, for years. And the thing is, I, I always thought he was ve- he is very good, he's very talented. But yeah, I think it's, you're right about the motivational side of things has always been his downside. So Edge and Orton continued to battle outside the ring at this point. Uh, Dolph Ziggler came down to the ring. He eliminated Jeff Hardy. There was a zigzag to Edge. And after that, Shinsuke Nakamura came down as Orton was being helped to the back by officials. Um, and I had made the note not officially eliminated, though. So I very clearly had in mind that this, was, <laughs> this was what they were going to do with Orton. They were going to bring him back towards the end, if not at the very end. Then we got the first sort of... Can I, can surpri- I just, just interject something? Got- I've got Dolph Ziggler, fuck off. That's my quote next to Dolph Ziggler, because it's not interested. Why is he still there? Do you know what I mean? Why do people make a big deal out of him? He's Yeah, he's he's a decent mechanic. He's a good in-ring technician, but he oversells everything too much. He's got no character, and there's no point in him. There's no point in Dolph Ziggler. Why is he there? And we could probably do an entire show about Shinsuke Nakamura. I feel like he should, be, should have been such a bigger deal than he is. Yeah. Um, I just don't think he works in WWE, and I don't think they've got a fucking clue what to do with him. 
I think that's right. But I also think he was pretty damn. I think he performed pretty badly his first year after he got called up to the main roster. For some reason, I just didn't feel like he was motivated either when he came up. It just almost before he even started, he wasn't didn't look like he was really invested in doing the best he can do. Um, I agree there's a certain amount to which he just doesn't quite fit WWE style. He needs more time in his matches, ultimately, because his matches, his big matches, his best matches in New Japan were, you know, half an hour long, if not longer. So he need, I feel that's part of it. He needs a longer amount of time. But I just also felt like he wasn't initially particularly motivated and it really hurt him in the early going of him being on the main roster. Number eight was the first surprise entrant of the Men's Royal Rumble. Um, Carlito, who hasn't been in WWE for goodness knows how long. It must be 10 years, if not more. Nakamura, the first thing he did was kind of confront Nakamura, took his apple, took Carlito's apple off of him, um, and then looked as though he was going to try and bite it. But that, that angered Carlito. And then uh, so, so he, he, he hit him with the backstabber. Um, any thoughts on Carlito's return, old man? Oh, it's bloody massive. I know that much. He's like, yeah. he, he's a big old unit. He was in um, Glow, the glamorous ladies of wrestling. So I have seen him since he left WWE and I'd seen that he was much bigger. The main thing that I took from this though was that he didn't do the spit bit with the apple because I was really intrigued to know how they were going to get around it yeah. because obviously there's a pandemic going on. And even though they're tested, I'm not sure I'd want to be the guy that takes a Well, I wouldn't want it to anyway, especially in this time, to take some half-chewed apple in the face, covered in saliva. <laughs> to be honest, I didn't mind him coming back. I didn't care. And also, this was, this was the first point where my concerns about... Because I'd not really thought about who was going to be in the Rumble before I started watching it outside of the people who I knew were in it. This was the first point where I kind of started to think like, oh, there's not really any fucker in this that's going to win, apart from Edge, Orton. I never thought Daniel Bryan was going to win. And that was kind of it, to be honest. And they were the first two, and I was a bit like, oh, hmm. what do I do now then? Do I wait this out? Yeah. I thought the, the other thing about Carlito coming back was it was a clear indication for me that there is now a a kind of demarcation line between generations in that anybody that would be exciting potentially for us to see is probably too old now to do it. And Carlito is probably the kind of level and kind of guy and kind of time period that we're going to get, you know, wouldn't surprise me if next year we see Mr. Kennedy or bloody uh. Chris Masters or someone, you know, uh. someone not particularly exciting, quite frankly, coming in and and entering the rumble like it, I, I i was with you i'm like i don't care about carlito like i is never i didn't really watch wwe for most of the time that you know or i wasn't really heavily watching wwe at the time when carlito was a was a even mid-card star and I, I never felt like he was one of these classic characters you know if you think about where he was on the card he was probably about the same um height in the card as someone like hacks or jim duggan but i to me, Axel Jim Duggan's a far more iconic character than Carlito, and that might be just about age. But ultimately, this is the kind of thing we're, we've got to expect now from these sort of less important Royal Rumble returnees. It's nice to hear that music, though, isn't it? 
Yeah, absolute banger, isn't it? I'm just hoping that now that you've said that about Hacksaw Jim Duggan, that they don't bring him back. <laughs> because when he came back, I can't remember when this was. But Probably it's, years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, it's haunted me because he was in his shorts. and He's been in his shorts since, for about 20 years, mate. He, he hadn't been wrestling in his tights for a long time. Oh, he needs to just get a T-shirt. <laughs> um, up next was um, Xavier Woods that was just after Carlito had done another backstabber this time to Mustafa Ali um, and after and qu- quickly after Xavier Woods was Big E came out next and eliminated Sami Zayn after he and Woods worked him over different music I thought was a bit odd now, now that I know they're on different different uh, mm. shows it makes sense but it, I thought it very odd at the time I, I assumed that even if he was on a different roster he'd still have the same music but they're clearly trying to give him a bit of a singles push. And and actually, in many respects, given, you know, we, we've seen that the Iconics, for example, were split up because of the, the draft and the, the fact they were on two different rosters. This makes sense because they haven't split them up. They're still they still, you know, fraternize, if you like, backstage. They're still kind of set up as a as a as a trio, except they're trying to give Big E a bit of a singles run. He's the Intercontinental Champion, of course, and it makes sense to therefore give him a little bit of a different presentation now that you're trying to do that. Um, so I thought it, it makes sense. I also wrote that I like the splash move that they do. But I love the look on Biggie's face as he was getting lifted up. And, <laughs> and also Samoa Joe just says, that's a whole lot of beef on those shoulders. <laughs> Whilst we're on the subject, any thoughts about Samoa Joe and now doing commentary? Is this what he does now? Is he retired? What's the, what's the, um, what's the story yeah, there? Apparently he had a really bad concussion. Right. I have a vague recollection of reading that he'd, he had an injury, came back, got a concussion, and it was quite a severe one. And mm. he just can't get back. In, mm. in terms in terms of his ability as a commentator, I've got no comment. So he is either, he, he's not bad enough to be considered bad, and, mm. but he didn't do anything that made me particularly think, oh, I'm glad some is doing commentary on air. That I found that all of their voices sounded very similar yeah, across yeah, the entire day. Yeah. I found that everyone sounded exactly the same. And it was hard for me to differentiate between them. There's no, there's no distinct distinct kind of tone changes between the people. It's not like when you got like, I don't know, I don't know, I probably didn't do it anymore, but like when you had like Booker T on commentary, you fucking knew Booker T was talking. <laughs> do you yeah. know what I mean? Like they, they all have very similar ways of speaking and, and tones. Next up was number 11, John Morrison. Um, after he came out, Xavier Woods was eliminated by Ali, but then Big E got his uh, revenge by eliminating Ali himself. Um, good fire from Big E at that point, I thought. I thought it was really good. And my, my note from John Morrison, here we go then, there'll be some contrived slash cool spot coming up. And then also, the same thing again for the next person who came down. <laughs> number Ricochet. 12, Ricochet, yes. Yeah, here we go then. There'll be some contrived slash cool spot coming up. There was a running theme through this rumble that I found noticeable more and more as it went on, is that every single person that came in had a run immediately. So they immediately had a bit where they just beat up a load of people. Mm. And I was like, that's not how it should be. There needs to be some difference between how people come in because like, John Morrison shouldn't come in and get a load of shit in, to be honest. He's a mid-card tag team guy. The same with Ricochet. Someone like Big E, who they're trying to push and who is an intercontinental title, is also massive, should come in and start smashing people's back doors in left, right and centre. 
But yeah, it was just um, this whole rumble just felt incredibly lazy. But that probably is reflected in the fact that I've got no notes under Ricochet after he enters. Uh, Outcomes up next is Elias, who comes in, chokeslams Ricochet, um, does a neckbreaker on Dolph Ziggler, and then eliminates Carlito from proceedings. Then we get probably one of the more interesting uh, entrants to the rumble, Damien Priest, um, who is pretty new to me although i've i've heard about priest and the set suggestion that he's actually quite big on wwe's radar in terms of the future he's a big guy as well which is probably the main reason for that although i thought he looked very good in this match mm. um he came in eliminated elias pretty easy and then we see an inset of orton getting his knee looked at backstage which kind of reminded you that orton was still going which again was probably a mistake if you wanted people to forget orton was going to be a, a factor in this match don't do this there's just no need to do it uh any thoughts on priest he's put over big by the commentators i noticed that much and i was like bloody hell they are going to town on him apparently he he, he was on roll the following night after this show because he was still in nxt before Yes. Yeah. Um, I I've never heard of Damien Priest. I didn't know. I didn't have a clue who he was. Um, but he did a spinning heel kick, which is nice yes. to see. It's a move you don't see. Everyone does. Everyone loves a super kick these days. You don't get a spinning heel kick. The no. same way other moves that don't get done anymore, like a like a double axe handle or an atomic drop. These moves just don't get done anymore. So it's nice to see that. On Randy Orton being seen to backstage, there was a bloke who I'm pretty sure it looked like Cesaro was with him in a suit backstage checking up on him. If not, it was a bloke who looked a lot like him. Took me out of it a little bit, and I think that might have been why I didn't really acknowledge the fact that Randy Orton was blatantly being groomed to come back into the Rumble, because I was so fixated <laughs> on a bloke who looked like Cesaro. <laughs> i tell you who it wasn't. It wasn't my man with the hair from back in the day. No, I don't think he's around anymore. You know, you know the one with the hair. <laughs> R- René Goulet. Yeah. Um, René! Number 15 was The Miz, and he, as he came out, went over to Bad Bunny's mixing desks and destroyed them. Um, Bad Bunny then came out to confront Miz and John Morrison. Priest eliminated them as they were kind of distracted by uh, by Bad Bunny. And then Bad Bunny got on to- onto the top rope and delivered a big old tope from the top of the uh, of the uh, the third on the third uh, turnbuckle down up to Miz and Morrison below. Yeah, what did you make of this? Let's start with Old Man. (laughs) I bloody love this. I loved the childish thing because Miz comes out Mm. and he walks past and then he looks over and he's like, and the minute I noticed that he had his briefcase in his hand, I was like, hello, he's going to smash some stuff up. And then obviously Bad Bunny comes out and he's like stood there and Damien Priest is like just pointing to the turnbuckle. He's like, get on there. Get on there, you fucking ass. Get on there. And then he gets up there, and I'm like, fair fucking play. And then uh, I think it's Michael Cole says, I've heard of flying squirrels, but never flying bunnies. And Corey Graves says, I think that one killed Joe, as in Samoa Joe. And Samoa Joe is silent for (laughs) a decent amount of time. And I really wanted to know whether... It had killed him in a bad way where he was just repulsed or whether he was laughing his head off. Do you know what I liked about it the most? The most impressive bit? I bet when you're up there, that's a fucking yeah. long way down. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, we're so used to seeing it, you know, but I bet you when you get there, like, he, he put everything into it and then he sold it afterwards. Yeah. He, he was holding his ribs. 
afterwards. I was like, yeah, go on then. That's amazing. Like, fair play. I, I was all in. I mean, I'd already bought the T-shirt at this point. So I was already all in on Bad Bunny anyway. But the fact that he, he did it. And again, it's just like the Miz and Morrison aren't going to win the Rumble. Do you know what I mean? Let's just have them just fuck around for a little bit, have some have some shenanigans. You know what I mean? This is probably why they didn't do the book of t- the the uh, Ron Killings bit, the Arf Truth bit in this one, because they already had this kind of daft moment in the middle yeah. of it. Yeah, um, maybe. I and I just yeah, I enjoyed it. And again, I was all of that made me want to listen to some Bad Bunny, which I did. Later. Um, <laughs> I get what you're saying about Miz and Morrison. I'm just like, why why has Miz got the money in the bank if he is, as you say, a mid card tag team wrestler? What is the point in that? From what I gather, from what very little I kind of little podcast interactions and stuff I have with with uh, with WWE these days, it sounds like it's been an absolute mess. Otis yeah. won it, no, Miz won it for some reason. He basically he wasn't very nice to Otis, and he managed to coerce him into having a match for the Money in the Bank briefcase, and then won. And then I am willing to be corrected by the listeners on this, but. I believe that Miz cashed it in, didn't win the title, and then moaned about it and got given the briefcase back. Probably because that he they knew he'd need a weapon to smash up the DJ set with yeah, at Royal Rumble. It's it's that classic WWE long term planning, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I've cashed in. Shit, I've lost it. Miz, where's your briefcase? Did do, do, do you not remember two weeks ago when I cashed it in? No. Nope. Uh, should we just give it back to him? Yeah, cool. No worries. No, no one will notice. They won't notice. Yeah. <laughs> Number sixteen was Matt Riddle, who I now I believe now is just going by the name of Riddle. He's no longer got Matt as part of his name anymore. Uh, apparently, yeah, really? To I've seen. Yeah, according to everything yeah. I've seen, he's now just called Riddle. It's, it's good. It's good stupid see. name. Yeah. yeah. It's good to see the the WWE keeping up with their keeping up the record. Even if it makes no sense, <laughs> just go full out and be dressed like the fucking Riddler. Do you know what I mean? Just go whole hog, jack the character from Batman and stab him as the Riddler. That makes more sense than him just being called Riddle. Yeah, he should it. at least be Riddling. He should have the genius accompany him to the ring and do riddles. That'd be amazing. I tell you what you also should do. Put on some fucking clothes. Jesus Christ, that man's practically naked in the ring. <laughs> even more so, even in a, in, a, in, a, in a ring full of people wearing pants. <laughs> He stands out. <laughs> well, he's got he's not even got shoes on, has he? So he's not got no. shoes, he's not got any um knee pads, so he's just it's just wrong. There's too much leg. Too much too leg. Much, show. Too much flesh in general. Number seventeen then is Daniel Bryan, and then number eighteen, his former team Hell No partner Kane comes out as a surprise entrant to the Rumble, although I don't know how much of a surprise it is, given that he's been in more Rumbles than anybody else in history. Um, Kane came in, as typically, pretty much they do every single time Kane enters the Royal Rumble. He chokeslammed everyone, eliminated Ziggler, eliminated Ricochet. Team Hell No then a little bit of a reunion before Priest, Damien Priest, eliminated Kane pretty quickly, which was probably a bit of a a relief for everybody. Um, He's still the mayor, I believe, of Knoxville, Tennessee at this moment in time. So that will probably be uh, kind of an interesting topic of discussion back down there in Knoxville. Any thoughts on this little bit of the match? To be honest, my main issue is that poor Kane had to do this anyway. Because he's clearly not, he's not going to be in ring shape. He's a busy man. He's a mayor. (laughs) He ain't got time to get to the gym, is he? And also he decimated everyone in the ring. This is a guy who hasn't wrestled for a couple of years properly, and he comes in and he just decimates everyone. I enjoyed the uh, Team Hellner reunion, though, so I can kind of forgive everything else. 
Big Soup is lovely. Again, I probably haven't watched enough of Daniel Bryan since he's come back. So they're, they're, my concerns may be alleviated or may be alleviated for other people. But every time he takes a bump on his neck, I cringe and wince because it just bothers me because of his in, his record with injury. You're like, he doesn't appear. I don't know if it, does he still do the diving headbutt? I'm assuming he stopped that now. Yeah, no, he's uh, he stopped that years before his concussion, I think. No, I don't know. But either way, it still makes me, it still bothers me a little bit. Mm. I'm glad that um, Kane got rid of Dolph Ziggler. Just what I was pressed <laughs> and I was glad for that. Um, and also, the other note I've made is that even though you're right, Kane shouldn't be need, shouldn't need to come back in this. Kane is still in the Rumble, a massive deal. Um, and they must think reasonably highly of Damian Priest having to eliminate Kane. Yes. It's such ease as well. Because mm. um, even though we all know Kane's not a big thing anymore, he's still a big thing when it comes to the Rumble. That yes. was exactly what I said. They obviously are high on Damian Priest because they wouldn't have let him do that if they weren't. I guess the other thing about Kane as well here, Kane being eliminated two people, he already held the record for total amount of eliminations in the Royal Rumble. So they've just kept that ticking over, giving him a couple of extra eliminations to make that record a bit higher. Um, number 19 was King Corbin, who I never understand why he's around. I don't understand why they keep him about. It's just it's just rubbish. He's boring. He's just rubbish. I've just no interest in him whatsoever. He came in, eliminated Shinsuke Nakamura. Who, at that point, I'd only just realised who was making all of the amazing noises in the room. <laughs> <laughs> there had been some, someone at me going, ah, 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 for, for quite a long period, and I couldn't place who it was. And it was only when Nakamura got chucked out by King Corbin that I realised it was him all along. Number 20 was then Otis, um, who came into the ring, uh, did a caterpillar on Priest, um, which I found quite funny that he's, he's a caterpillar rather than the worm. Um, and then yeah. Corbin, then Corbin eliminated Otis. And I just felt this was where I was really like, why did they have to like this was he was doing quite well. What happened here? What happened with Otis? Like way to like completely cut the legs from under someone who, who seemed to be doing well. last he, year. He also does quite good suplexes. Mm. I thought his suplexes looked really good when he came in. Uh, admittedly, again, I didn't have much of a much of an insight in him, so I wasn't. My bar was pretty low, but I was very impressed by his suplexes. He is a shave and a suit away from being something. Because, so, like, if he if he just serious serious up, that, <laughs> pre- pretty sure that's a phrase. <laughs> if he just serious up, then I think he would actually be a very good well he's clearly a good worker and he came down to the ring doing the bushwhacker walk he did <laughs> yeah which i absolutely love but yeah i um every time i see him i'm a bit like you know what that guy's all right when i say every time i see him probably seen him have about five matches yeah i, th- look, I don't know an awful lot about him but the, the thing is i look at this match and look at the roster and I look at what you said earlier on about the number of potential winners i look at how many of these guys are gen- legitimately going to turn into anything else than what they already are or already have been and i'm looking at dolph ziggler that you know is going nowhere he's been around forever he's going nowhere the miz is never going to go higher than he is right now really um you've got people like xavier woods who've been around forever john morrison's back after goodness knows how long and he's never going to go any higher than he is um there's countless guys that are just you know great they're fine but 
whatever. Otis was one of the few people who the last time I'd seen him had genuinely did have some momentum behind him, which is why I'm kind of like, why don't they just persevere with it? You know, neither him nor Mandy Rose are doing anything of value right now. So why not just have them have have left them where they were when they were actually quite popular and their, you know, their relationship was kind of a, an interesting part of the show. 21, Dominic Mysterio. Um, Dominic came in and eliminated King Corbin. So Dominic is already my favorite wrestler of all time. Um, <laughs> and uh, that was pretty much all he did in fairness in the match. 22 was then Bobby Lashley. Um, yes. Lashley, Lashley came in and threw out Dominic. He then clotheslined Priest out of the ring, which was quite a big elimination. Um, and then um, we had a bit of a back and forth between Biggie and Lashley. Uh, old man, any thoughts on this lot? I tell you what, I never thought I'd say this. I'm a big fan of Bobby Lashley. I've go. seen uh yeah, I've seen like his pay-per-view matches, the last few pay-per-views. He knows exactly what he is. He seems to know exactly what he can do. Whoever's booking his matches seem to know exactly what he can do. And he's just good at it. He's not gonna rise above what he is now, which I think he's still US champion. But he's just yeah, he's much better than he was when he was first around and they were trying to get him in the world title picture. One thing I will say as well, so you said obviously a, a big elimination by him getting rid of um, Priest. Damien Priest. In terms of a huge elimination, not in terms of star stature, no. but absolutely enormous elimination of Dominic Mysterio as well. He <laughs> yes. fucking launched him up into the air and he yeah. was so high up. I was like, Jesus, he got a nosebleed on his way down. It was unbelievable. <laughs> fucking hell, that was a hell of a moment disappointed that Dominic Mysterio got a chance to get eliminated before Rey Mysterio came in personally because mm-hmm. I'd have liked a father and son moment in there which I don't know has ever happened I was going to ask you that I don't know if it has I, I, I they didn't I don't think they mentioned it on commentary but this surely has to be a first I can't think of any other time when a father and son have been in the Royal same Royal Rumble was Hornswoggle in one of the ones with Vince? Oh, well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, no, he wouldn't have been. He wouldn't have been with Vince, but he would. He might have been with Finley, who was his. Oh, was his yeah. To be his dad, so yeah. That's what, but 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 from an actual perspective, from a true real perspective, I I don't know. It must be the first. Twenty three is Hurricane Helms comes in, one of the surprise entrants to the Royal Rumble. Um, he comes in and recreates his spot from the Royal Rumble two thousand and two, which he did with Triple H and Steve Austin. This time he does it with Biggie and Lashley. Um, how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> um, after he tries to double choke slam them. Old oh, man, any thoughts on this bit? There was something that really caught me off guard so hurricane's music comes on the camera well the director goes to big big e and i've no idea why but he looks so fucked off that the hurricane is here (laughs) and it's so weird because he's such a like jolly (laughs) character and i was like if they got legitimate heat like like backstage because he looks like he's gonna kill him (laughs) <laughs> he his face looked as unimpressed as I felt when the hurricane came out. It was so weird. I my note is Biggie looks unimpressed because he just looks there, just absolutely just fuming that the hurricanes come in, absolutely livid. Well, again, old man, this don't is don't want what, the hurricane. Don't want the hurricane. This is what I was saying about Carlito. No, you can't talk <laughs> me out of this. No, no, I agree. But this is what oh. I was saying about Carlito as well. Like this is the quality you're going to get. And there are probably a certain generation of wrestling fans 
who will go mad for it and love it. It's just it's beyond our time now of those really big nostalgia names that we might look forward to like for example Tatanka when he came out that year in 2006 like that's now 15 years ago itself so um we have to kind of you have to kind of start to revise our expectations I would rather have you you mentioned the murder I'd rather have Chris Masters than the Hurricane (laughs) uh Hurricane's an agent isn't he so that's why I think they keep going do you want to bring your gear and he's like really I I don't think it fits anymore get your fucking gear on (laughs) Oh, it's a bit tight. It's Piss off, Piggy. <laughs> get out there, or get out there, or we'll remind you that your name's Greg. <laughs> <laughs> and at this point, it falls to me to apologise for any of our listeners named Greg. Shout out to all the Gregs out there. We love you, really. Yeah. Especially your past. Your past. 24. <laughs> 24 then is the, I guess, the big uh, yes. surprise entrance of the match. Uh, Christian. Um, Christian, obviously... Uh, comes in uh, as uh, as he's doing that everybody goes after Lashley and Lashley is eliminated and then we have a little bit of a reunion between Edge and Christian I thought it was actually very well done I thought Edge looked genuinely emotional um in this moment and uh this must be I don't know how long it's been but Christian's not wrestled for a very long time um and even though it was rumored beforehand I still thought it was was quite nice I'm surprised that Vince let Christian in with that face <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah we, we go we go from one extreme to the other. So when the hurricane comes down, Big E looks pissed off. When Christian makes his appearance, the director goes to Edge, who has got a shit-eating grin on his face. Like he looks <laughs> like all of his Christmases have come at once, and they're in the shape of Christian. And I, I just thought, like you said, I thought it was, there's no other word. I just thought it was lovely. It was just really nice. It was just like, it felt very human. It feels as well a bit like this is something Christian is kind of owed because he's never, he obviously when he stopped wrestling, WWE just refused to even acknowledge that he just stopped. It, it just, he didn't get any kind of, he didn't get written out. He didn't get any kind of send off. It was just, he, he's, he's gone and we're not going to talk about him anymore. Even though he has since that point being kind of on and off working and doing stuff for WWE. Um, and so it felt like he was kind of owed a moment to come back and potentially if this is his last performance, which I doubt it will be, but if it is, it feels, feels like he, he was owed that the chance to have that. And so that was a, a good thing, I guess, a sort of bit of clean, bit of housekeeping from the past that yeah. they, they was also needed to do. There was also at that point that I'd realised that I had forgotten that Edge was in the Rumble. Because I think they'd done a very good job of keeping him away mm-hmm. from the main action. He'd just basically yes. spent the time trying to get someone out of the ring and stuff like that. He'd not been involved in it for a long time. And again, I thought that was a really nice, nice good bit of book in there. You know what they'd done a really good job of also not reminding everyone for at least 10 minutes by this point? Was that Orton was still in the match? <laughs> um, well, I forgot. I, I was done, mate. I, I thought he'd gone, gone off to a local medical facility. That's because of your <laughs> Cesaro fixation that was going on. <laughs> yeah. Twenty-five was AJ Styles, which I thought, alongside Edge and Orton, and maybe Daniel Bryan was one of the few people who actually had a chance of winning this Rumble. And then twenty-six is Rey Mysterio. So <laughs> the, the beer ad, the walking beer ad. That's fucking weird. It's before, the weirdest thing I've ever seen on WWE programming. Before we get into that, 
Who's this guy with AJ Styles? Um, I've not. I don't know about that's, this. That's 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 Omas. Omas. Well, it's not his bodyguard. I think it's just like some guy that hangs around with him. But I don't know if you noticed because it's not obvious when you see him. So the commentators feel the need to remind you of it every nine seconds. He's quite big. <laughs> he's quite tall. Like, he? He's he's quite a large man. Yeah. Ah, okay. But the commentators just want to ram it home that he's big. I mean, you literally can't miss him. Yeah. I was chatting to a friend of the show and listener, uh, Berkey, earlier today. Oh, yeah. And he said oh, that he and he said it was like Taco Falls walking around outside. Yes. Now, it might, that might not necessarily be relevant to you, but Taco Falls is a basketball player who plays for the Boston Celtics, and he is as big as that guy. That guy, he was, his head was reaching the top rope from the ringside. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, Rey Mysterio came out with some kind... This was the, the funniest bit about this was that when Rey Mysterio came in with his beer tie-in, or you know, his advert, that he's, the, the mask that he's wearing to promote some beer... Um, Michael Cole was desperately racing through the oh, promo he had to do on commentary so he could get back to the action because meanwhile all all kinds of stuff was going on. Rey Mysterio was in a big kind of one-on-one with AJ Styles. He was about to do the 619 before Amas got involved and and stopped him from doing it. Yeah, it, it was very bizarre, wasn't it? I've not seen anything where they've actually had a paid spot in the middle of the rumble before well i noticed as well that there are i think there are five adverts during the show Mm. as well which is i mean they're a business i i'm not going to judge them but it was it's quite a surprise and i mean the the beer advert was too much this is very mysterio this is one of one of their stalwarts legacy acts yeah a hall of famer probably and they're just using them to shift beer no there are there are two things about this one i've been to mexico and spent a bit of time there never heard of victoria beer oh no two interestingly it's him and brock lesnar are the only people who have been allowed to have advertisers on their on their attire interesting i think um he's got a a sandwich shop on this (laughs) ray mysterio has always has been for a long time a very very clever operator backstage um he has for a very long time understood his value to wwe uh, for their latino market mm. and, th- and this has been a feature of of his own politicking over the last 15 years or so in wwe um, and this has got to be part of it you know ray mysterio almost definitely would have at whatever time he's last signed a contract would have made some kind of deal where he was one of the people allowed to do that. And I'm assuming he's got, you know, part of the deals also that WWE and him can kind of work together on it and get some, get both, get some money out of it. Um, And so it it kind of doesn't really surprise me that it was Ray Mysterio because he's somebody, as I said, that has a business head on him and he does, he is about the money ultimately, as most wrestlers are, they're, they're in this to make a living after all. So, mate, maybe bloody want a Victoria beer though. <laughs> did his job, definitely did his job. There Nobody you go, then that's there. all you need, mate. That's all you need. Omas then pulled Big E out of the ring, which eliminated Big E, which was a, another quite important one because Big E did seem to be one of the few outside chances, if if I dare say so, of winning this thing. Was anybody else accompanied by anyone? Were there any other like managers that brought down? Because if there were, they certainly didn't hang around by the ringside. I don't think they did, to be fair. No, um, they didn't. And I know it kind of harks back to what we were talking about last week with the Rumble 92 and Hogan putting out some dishes, but it annoys me that he just eliminated them. 
just reached out and pulled them. It wasn't even as if like AJ Styles threw him over the top rope and he just like clipped them on the way out to, to help him in. He just eliminated them. Yeah, and I tell you what also I found a bit annoying about it is that there's a way to do this which makes a bit more sense. So if he'd have done this with Big E and then the referees had surrounded him and say, look, you have to get out because you're you're interfering in the match, given that we've already seen um, old what's-his-face earlier on in the show be chucked out by the referee, the sommelier, whatever his name is, I've forgotten his name already. We've already seen him be chucked out, so there's a precedent already set down, and now this guy is openly and explicitly involving himself in this match. Um, why he isn't sent back, I don't know. But you could have a thing where he's kind of, the referees are surrounding him and he's arguing with them and they obviously can't do anything about it because he's massive. And in the meantime, Styles gets thrown out again, but they don't see it so he can get back in the ring because he does get back in the ring a couple of times only anyway because mass catches him. Um, yeah. And it just felt like, you know, there's a way to do this and keep him at ringside almost, but they just didn't do anything. The referees didn't even try to get rid of him, which is, I think, silly and just is really easily remediable, if that's the word. 27 in the match is Seamus, um, and he has his way with everyone, beats the shit out of everyone for a while. That theme continues, old man. Rey Mysterio then is pulled out of the ring by a mass as well. 28 is Cesaro, so maybe he was backstage with Randy Orton earlier on. Who knows? Um, <laughs> yeah, it took him a while, didn't it? He and Sheamus then have the briefest of brief reunions, lasted about three seconds, um, and until they started fighting each other uh, as well. Anything from that you want to comment on? I did find it quite heartwarming because i've heard them on a podcast before and they are legitimately best mates and i think it's quite nice i, I don't mind them doing that you know it kind of suits their characters doesn't it yeah I, I just think that they there was too many reunions basically i think they, they and they made a big deal of it every time do you know what i mean like it, it was like oh look we've got a, these reunion and that reunion and, and it just i don't know it, maybe, it, it's a, maybe it's a little bit too close to edge and christian that's it it devalued edge and christians mm. and that's the thing that i um, think was a shame about it 29 was seth rollins who was another surprise entrant i understand although it wasn't a surprise to me because i was expecting him because i just figured seth rollins is a part of this roster so surely he's going to be involved <laughs> um not knowing obviously that he hadn't been around for a little bit of time um and then 30 number 30 once again a big man last out of the uh, out of the curtain braun Strowman. Strowman came in i'll run through everything and then we'll kind of come to to, to what everyone thinks so uh, Braun Strowman threw throughout Styles, um, but Omas caught him. Then um, Strowman eliminated Cesaro and Sheamus as Styles got back in the ring. Strowman then threw out Styles when Strowman went to throw him out towards Omas again and then changed his mind and threw him out over the other side of the ring. Edge and Christian then speared Strowman. Um, Brian then was in the ascendancy, at which point it was quite clear that he wasn't going to be winning this one after he kind of was in the middle of the ring beating everybody um hit a missile drop kick on Rid riddle um and then rollins attacked brian hit him with a curb stop curb stomp and threw him out Rib riddle was then eliminated himself by another curb stomp by rollins um rollins then tried to make an alliance with Strowman um when when it was just himself Strowman, edge and christian left in the ring uh Strowman, though rejected rollins um offer knocked him down um Strowman then took on edge and christian on his own and as christian and Strowman and edge were all fighting to try and eliminate uh, one another both christian and Strowman got eliminated at the same time by seth rollins um, we were then left with Edge and Seth Rollins in the ring and Edge dunked Rollins out of the ring. 
um, which initially made us think that Edge had won, only for Orton to appear out of nowhere. So then Orton RKO'd Edge, and then uh, as he attempted to eliminate him, he Edge reversed the Irish whip slash throw out of the ring, and Orton was the one instead that went out, giving Edge the victory. Uh, Tom, do you want to pick apart anything from that? This is one thing I thought right at the end, when it came down to the last five, there was a This Is Awesome chant. Maybe think, <laughs> yes. imagine being sat and yelling This Is Awesome into your webcam. Well, I don't think I don't think the chants we heard were from the people on the webcams. I think you're right, but there were people doing it. Yeah, I think they were, but they but but here's the other thing you have to imagine imagine piping in the chant this is awesome like that feels much cheaper than anything else that feels awful i don't really know why they do that ultimately i i had forgotten that randy jordan hadn't been eliminated (laughs) (laughs) um when he turned up i was genuinely good and i was quite happy when he was eliminated um yes it's nice to see edge when edge has got this kind of like old man hard about him do you know what I mean? Not old man, not you. Um, hey, old man, you're old. I can have you. Um, but yeah, he's just, he's got that kind of like that grizzled kind of toughness about it. Uh, and similar to what I said about um, you know Bianca Belair, he seemed genuinely quite emotional at the end to win it, um, which I I thought was good. Uh, but ultimately, I thought the women's match was better. I wholeheartedly agree with um, with Tom in terms of the um, the note that. The women's match was better. I'm a big, big fan of Edge, so I'm never going to moan that he won this. But I was, ju- I just felt like the match just wasn't very good. I, it, it come at the end of like, it comes at the end of a long show, and I just felt very underwhelmed by it all. And I didn't. I think it comes down to the fact that I thought there were only two people that I genuinely thought were going to win it. And they were at the end. I was very pleased that Orton didn't win it. But I just found it hard to... Yeah, I, there was no investment from yeah. me in the actual match. I was just... I It went exactly as I thought it was going to. And I think that's probably because I was reasonably clued in to what, I, what was going on on the show. Like on Raw and SmackDown previously. Yeah. But it's 50, 58 minutes of that rumble that I didn't really care about. It's the minute either end that ultimately meant that at the end of it, I was quite satisfied. As I said, I thought that there was potentially four four winners that were possible. Edge, Randy Orton, Daniel Bryan, and maybe AJ Styles. And even that felt slim pickings. But also, I think the fact that Edge and Randy Orton came out first and then Randy Orton got injured, so he was obviously going to come back, made me think this is going to be how it ends with these two. It just felt too obvious. It felt too kind of it just felt telegraphed ultimately. Mm. And I think the bigger problem, though, I've got with this match is that it was too similar to the women's rumble. And you've already seen the women's rumble. Mm. Um, there are there are kind of two ways to book a rumble, I think, that in general anyway. There's one where you have that stream of kind of about maybe six to ten people constantly in the ring. And as people come in, they, they retain the number around that many people in the ring. And so there's just a decent amount of people kind of recycling it through and you've got those right till the end about that that amount of people the other way is to do it where you have a lot less people in there you have maybe two to, to five people throughout the match and sometimes even go down to one and 
there's much more a spotlight on individuals, very, very specific individuals. Now, at last year's Royal Rumble 2020, they mastered the two types really well. The women did the numbers game one where you have lots and lots of people involved. And the men did the whole Brock Lesnar thing at the beginning where for the first 14 or 15 entrants, it was just him and whoever had come out. And it meant that both the Rumbles were really different. The Brock Lesnar one, I thought, had a real sort of just just a bit of um, creativity just a little bit of something with imagination there was no imagination to the men's rumble it was mm. just really mm. it was just the same thing again and it, that's why i was talking about earlier on about who was the agents for these matches and did they not speak to one another to see if they could figure out how to differentiate the rumbles a bit because they were just too too similar except the women's was better because they just had more potential winners it was just a, a yeah. better not it wasn't even just that as well both the winners went all nearly all the way. Bianca Belair came out number three. Edge was number one. They didn't even have a difference in terms of someone going on a long journey through the match. It just it just was they were far too similar. And if you're going to have two Raw Rumbles on the same show, you've got to make them stand differently aside from one another so that you not, don't feel like you're watching the same thing again. So that was my main criticism of this this men's Rumble. And I think. Yeah, look, I was disappointed with Edge's win just because I, I, I just didn't. I think if Edge is going to win the Rumble, he doesn't need to do it from number one. I just don't see why you have mm. Edge go from mm. number one to win it, um, especially as you've just done it with Bianca Belair. She's gone from number three. This this kind of nullified how impressive Bianca Belair's performance seemed to be. If you've if you've got two winners from deep then it has less impact, just like everything has less impact. So, again, I just thought that was a just another weird, like as if they just hadn't compared notes or hadn't thought about the two rumbles on the same show. Um, and that was, for me, a, a, a real shame. Um, I was, I'm a massive fan of Daniel Bryan and I was hoping he would win, but that was probably more because I was naive to the fact that I didn't know where his position was on the card. And I'd seen a lot of people online saying that they thought Daniel Bryan was going to win. So it kind of made me, it may be open to the possibility, but ultimately it didn't happen. So for me, yeah, the women's rumble is better. Um, there are more options to win. I th- and I think we spoke about earlier on the women's roster just feels much more varied than the men's roster. Too many of the men's roster just don't feel like they mean anything, quite frankly, or they've had their best day a long, long time ago. Fairness, even the two men, who finished the match and were the two most likely candidates to win have had their best day in the past. So mm. the whole thing just felt a little bit stale, a little bit tired. Do we want to kind of give our rating overall and our match of the night? Tom, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'm going to go a solid three overall. It was, it was fine. The, the men's rumble left me disappointed. Um, I didn't see the point in the uh, Goldberg match and I didn't have many thoughts on the opening women's match. That being said, I thought the, uh, the, la- the, the Force Count Anywhere match and the Women's Rumble were very good. That's why it's a three for me. And my match of the night is the Women's Rumble. Oh, man. I go just a little. I go, I'll go 2.8. And that is pretty much all on the, on the Women's Rumble, I think. I... There are aspects I enjoy of the other matches, but the women's rumble is very good, I think, to the point where I genuinely think I will watch that again at some Mm. point in the future. Having watched the standard of pay-per-view that WWE have put out, particularly since WrestleMania, I was a bit, I I feel like this is, from memory, this is their weakest effort from start to finish. And I think it, 
I'm more disappointed because it's the Rumble and because it's probably my favourite of the year, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, I just I was just left left a little disappointed, but I'll always have the Women's Rumble match. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to give it a 2.5, so bang average, basically. I thought that the Women's Rumble match was good. I'd give it a solid three, three and a half out of five. The Men's Rumble, I would give a good star lower than that. The opener was two and a half minutes long. Um, I wasn't overly impressed by Carmelo and Sasha Banks' match. Um, my match of the night is the last man standing match between Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens. I genuinely mm. thought it was really good, and I thought it told a really good story. And I, yes, they had the botch at the end, and I think if they hadn't had that, I might have even been a bit more high on it. But yeah, I, I, I thought that was really good. And the men's rumble, as I say, I just thought was a bit, just a, it was just average. It wasn't a bad rumble, I don't think. It just wasn't a good one and you've already and on and these days when you've got a show when there's two rumbles you've got to do something different it's that simple yeah wow so we have just about covered everything on the show it's been a mammoth task are we still going to do the game we, we have, have to. to do the game wow yeah. okay fair enough i'm i'm i will uh i'll bow to you guys um yeah. okay so i think old man you're the host this week i am indeed and because we've spent so much time talking about Otis we're going to go for money in the bank winners men and women oh goodness me this is going to be tough (laughs) yeah so two people have had it twice so excluding those two there are 25 in total I'm just going to say Tinky you go first okay I'm going to go for uh, (laughs) Otis Otis Um, Edge Yes. One in 2005. Uh, Jack Swagger. Jack Swagger won it in 2010 at WrestleMania. Uh, Rob Van Dam. Rob Van Dam, yes. Won it in 2006. Uh, Kane. Kane, yes. Won it in the first, I think it was the first Money in the Bank pay per view, also in 2010. Uh, Asuka. 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 Correct. She won it in 2020. Uh, CM Punk. CM Punk won it in 2008 and 2009. Uh, Mr. Kennedy. Yes, won it in 2007. And then Big I Don't Like Him got stripped of it because he failed a wellness policy and (laughs) policy test and then got the sack. And he got that because you don't like him. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Uh, Daniel Bryan. Daniel Brown, correct, in 2011. Um, Randy Orton. Randy Orton. Yes. Oh, thank God. In 2013. I am getting low. I'm going to go for Carmella. Carmella, correct. Won it twice in 2017. I don't quite know why she won it twice, but she did. Actually, I do know, because James Ellsworth helped her win the first one, so they had a rematch. That's Tom. right. Uh, the Miz. The Miz, correct. Won it in 2010 and also holds it now having beat Otis for it in 2020. Yes, yeah, so we are at the point where I'm, I'm really struggling. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to have a guess, I think, at this because I don't, I don't know. Um, John Cena. John Cena. Yes, 2012. <laughs> he's, he's won everything, hasn't he? He's got to run it. So. Yeah. 
God. Um, <laughs> Christian. I'm afraid not. Oh. Tiki gets it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was right on the blink. I mean, I was now at the point of guessing. I was going to probably go for Alexa Bliss next, but I, uh, I was. Alexa Bliss would have been correct. Yeah, I was. I so, was I was in trouble at that point then. So I know where I went wrong then, because I'm pretty sure that Christian had a really good match with Randy Orton at a Money in the Bank. And yes. I think that's yeah. where I went. So the ones that you missed. Okay. Or go back in time. I was going to so, say Chris Benoit. Did Chris Benoit ever win it? No. What about Crispin Glover? <laughs> <laughs> he did twice. <laughs> but but then he, he held out for more money, so they took it off him. Uh, so, in 2019, the two winners were Bailey and Brock Lesnar. Oh. They were in different matches, not in the same <laughs> match. Uh, in 2018, Alexa Bliss, as Tinky mentioned, and Braun Strowman. Right. 2017 was the king himself, Baron Corbin. 2016, Dean Ambrose. Uh, Sheamus won it in 2015 and does the most excitable running when he's going to cash in. He looks so bloody pleased with himself. Uh, I just thought of another one. Damien Sandow. Yes. Yeah, in 2013. Should have remembered that. Uh, Seth Rollins in 2014. Thank you for getting them out of order. (laughs) Uh, Devious Dolph Ziggler. Won it in 2012. I can forget Dolph Ziggler. That cash in is legendary. And in 2011, we've got the, for my mind... The greatest music against the worst human being, <laughs> like disparity in wrestling history, Alberto Del Rio. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Whose music is unbelievably good. Chef's Kiss was coming there. I could see yeah. it. Ah, uh, it was. To be honest, <laughs> if there was a chef here, it would have been a chef blow job. <laughs> See, do you know what? It's so weird because, yeah, he apparently, like, allegedly, is a terrible man. But he was so nice when I met him. Probably because I paid to meet him. Well, to be <laughs> fair, was he? Or, well, he was all right to you. And then when it actually came for him to sign your book, he barely looked at you. Yeah, I was too, I was too busy chatting about Lucha Underground. Was that it? Was that the last one? Alberto Del Rio. Well, yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I, I got so excited by being able to talk about his music. I was just, <laughs> it's like a big shit. <laughs> so that definitely brings us to the end of what has been an absolutely epic uh, show today. Thank you very much for making it all this way. If you have, then you might want to make it a little bit further with us. We are available on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, UK. You can also email email us, randomwrestlingreviewpod at gmail.com. And we've got a YouTube channel, which there is new content every single Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday with clips from this very podcast also um you could do us a great favor in rating and or reviewing our shows on your preferred podcasting app of choice um guys thanks very much for today it's been oh it's been something that's for certain it, <laughs> I'm tired. It, it certainly is. yeah yeah <laughs> so uh, I, I think we've gone almost as long as the show but I can't think of two other people that I'd rather spend time with talking about the 2021 Royal Rumble than you two gentlemen. So thank you very much. And a big thank you to the listeners 
for getting to the end of this. And fingers crossed for the listeners, we'll get to a pay-per-view at some point that's got Val Venus on it, so you can properly hear me have a good time. I had two conflicting thoughts whilst you were talking just then, old man. I was like, oh, that's really nice that you said that. And I was like, also, he's still fucking talking. Tom, <laughs> thanks for joining, me, joining us as well. Sleeping. <laughs> we will be back again next week with more podcasting excitement. But until then, take care.